2: Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
3: Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: morning everyone and welcome to carriker and smallman on 101 esp baby it's cold outside yeah it is it's it's cold it's 701 your time check brought to you by Clarkson jewelers and jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler. baby it's cold outside that's michelle i'm randy how you doing
1: uh i am cold i believe it's seven degrees outside
4: let's check the latest here according to accu weather the AccuWeather weather forecast brought to you i we, we need a sponsor for our accu weather forecast yeah, don't we, do, we here on this sure. on this show at least uh, traffic and weather together except we have no traffic and the weather we could do traffic we've done traffic before i was gonna I say g- i know
1: we have the chopper
4: i can give you that in a minute right now it is seven degrees supposed to get up to 21 today and not only is it seven degrees but it feels like it's zero
1: it feels like it's zero what is this the winter classic <laughs> yeah right it's terrible it's terrible
4: i hate it Maybe it's cool
1: outside and it's so there,
4: there's your weather on 101 espn
1: oh you know it's great it's feels like zero it's pitch black outside
4: michelle it's hockey weather
1: it is hockey weather which is good news because we have a game tonight game hashtag night. lgb
4: tj oshi oh well, not, yeah.
1: t. Well, not t not t robert thomas Thomas.
4: we don't have vladimir tarasenko in the lineup we won't have jake wallman in the lineup we won't have scott perunovich in the lineup because as you might expect they tested positive for covid if you're a blues player at some point you're going to test positive for covid and those are the three latest that will not be available Today.
1: What we need to do is make a list of the guys that we know who have tested positive mm-hmm. and circle the guys on the roster who are not on that list. And I think it's probably a small group of guys now who have not been in the COVID program. Yeah, we've got herd
4: point. immunity. Yes. Do I we would want imagine. to put that evil on them, though? Do we want to put that evil on Colton Pareko, for no, example? No, no, no.
1: But you just have to kind of brace yourself that at some point, the guys who have not been on that list might pop up on that list. Getting all confident. The Blues are back at full strength. The Blues are healthy. It's going to be great to see these guys all playing together and developing that chemistry. And then guess what? What? Three more guys pop positive for COVID.
4: Including the guy who's been your best player in Vladimir Tarasenko, which is kind of a bummer. And Tarasenko always likes going against Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals. Ovechkin and the Capitals in town tonight for the 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Ivan Barbashev is, of course, back for the Blues now. And he knows that facing that Washington power play with Alex Ovechkin is going to be a
5: handful. It will be really important. We all know uh, they got Ovi. And and it's not just Ovi. They got a really good... uh,
1: power play unit, so uh, we gotta be really careful of uh, what we do out there,
5: and uh, yeah, we just gotta be smart, and uh, to know where is uh, Ovechkin, especially with his uh, one-timer, he's a really dangerous player, and uh, yeah, we just gotta be really careful.
1: Let's not fight him and make him angry
5: good point yeah <laughs>
4: be careful out there nico mikola
1: <laughs> i love the aggressiveness from mikola but it did turn on the jets for sydney crosby yeah, so maybe did. let's not agitate ovi
4: here's one of the yeah. strange oh, Gee, that's that... what happens when ovi is fired up
1: yeah we've heard that before yeah what an epic celebration it was
4: as good as it gets i think that and brett hall
1: We went blues. Unreal.
4: (laughs) Here's the thing about Ovechkin that amazes me is that he always on the power play camps out in that dot to the right of the goalie and you don't have to cover him because you think your goalie's going to make the save and he always scores. It's unbelievable. There's never anybody between he and the goalie, which is you shouldn't screen your goalie because he's going to score then. But his shot is such a laser and it's so accurate that he scores all the time even though everybody knows where he's going to be and everybody knows what he's going to do
1: you could probably double team him and he's that lethal he's going to get it done
4: yeah he's scary so the blues will have their hands full tonight and we'll have all the action here on 101 espn by the way with the blues playing tonight and sunday we've got an nfl doubleheader tomorrow chiefs and broncos pregame at three o'clock followed by the cowboys and the eagles and that's all here On 101 ESPN, then the Blues have a day game against the Stars on Sunday, pregame at noon, and then after that one, Chargers and Raiders at night.
1: A great sports weekend on deck for us.
4: It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And I'm wondering what the NFL playoff picture is going to look like after Sunday. I never expect upsets, but you have to expect upsets. I just don't know who the upsets are going to be of. Who's going to get burned by an upset this weekend?
1: I'm looking at the schedule. I'm pulling it up right now because that's a really great question. The one
4: team that dominates the other that could change the outlook in the league and specifically in the NFC, the Niners have won five in a row against the Rams. That is true. Kyle Shanahan dominates McVay.
1: He, I was going to say he owns Sean McVay. He's yeah. in his head for sure.
4: So Let's that's see. that's one that I could see. But the other good teams, heck, it, Green Bay, they, I, I would guess that Aaron Rodgers might play a half if he does. Chiefs are going to go to Denver tomorrow. I I have to believe that the Chiefs are going to win that game. I would think so. Cowboys and Eagles, and the Eagles are in the playoffs. They're probably locked in. Cowboys need to get sharpened up, need to be better. Bengals at Cleveland without Baker Mayfield. I I can't imagine that the Browns are going to be that fired up to beat Cincinnati this weekend. What
1: about the Raiders and the Chargers? The Raiders still on the playoff bubble. Chargers have punched their ticket. Do you think that they'll be motivated enough or... Or want to get it done?
4: No, that's winning in Char- the winner of that game is in the playoffs. Chargers oh, are that's three point. Right. Yeah, they are. You're right. Chargers are a three point favorite on the road. I look at that as a coin flip, Michelle. I really, I can't
1: pick a winner there. Yeah, there's it's a pretty much an equal matchup. I don't know. I would lean towards the Chargers just because of Justin Herbert. But you're right. That that's probably the most entertaining matchup of the weekend. Are
4: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers screwed? I kind of think Antonio Brown has really messed things up for them.
1: Well, I'm concerned the entire team could have COVID.
4: Right. And if you haven't heard, last night the Guardian had a report that Antonio Brown smuggled a woman into his room on Saturday night before the game in Jersey City, New Jersey. And uh, they, in a biblical sense, laid down. And then she gave the story to the Guardian. She had receipts. She had pictures. She had, she uh, had voice, in- memos too. voice memos. Voice memos. Instagram. In. And then yesterday, last night, was it on her Instagram that she put Buccaneers test your players because she had tested positive and been with Antonio Brown in a biblical sense on Saturday night. And he was around all the players on Sunday, including Tom Brady early Sunday morning.
1: There are so many tentacles to this Antonio Brown story, it feels like. Every couple hours, we're getting a new bit of information. Just when you think it could be over yesterday after Bruce Arians speaks to the media, gives the his slash the Buccaneers version of what went down over the weekend, you think, and officially release him, by the way. So you think maybe this is the end of it. Then here comes this woman who says, no, Antonio Brown snuck me into the hotel. We air quotes hung out <laughs> we filmed videos for my only fans because yeah. he wants attention he kept telling me wait till you see what i do at the game tomorrow implying that what he did was premeditated in some way because he wanted the attention oh and then by the way she tests positive for covid
4: it's unbelievable what a uh, disaster this guy could cause for that franchise
1: Can you imagine if you're Tom Brady and you have gone out on a limb for this guy? Not once, not twice, multiple times. You have put your reputation on the line. You've gone to bat for this guy. This guy stayed at your house. And then this is what he's going to do to you right before the playoffs. Hang out with this girl, sneak her in. She gives him potentially COVID and then he's hanging out with Tom. If he gives Tom Brady COVID right on the precipice of the playoffs, I, I... I mean, what are you going to do if you're the Buccaneers? There's nothing that you can do.
4: Michelle, we got a text yesterday that I hadn't thought of that made all the sense of the world once I thought about it. He was upset last Sunday, apparently at halftime. He was telling people he wasn't getting enough uh, catches. He wasn't getting enough targets. He wasn't getting enough yards because he was very close to about $3 million in incentives. It was their 16th game. And this text yesterday suggested that maybe he didn't realize that there was a 17th game this year. I wonder, because not everybody pays attention. I mean, how many players over the course of history didn't know that you could have a tie in the NFL?
1: Yeah, that's true. A lot.
4: It's, I would think, certainly not out of the realm of possibility that Antonio Brown didn't realize that that wasn't their last game. And that's why he was going crazy about not getting enough targets.
1: And didn't someone have the report? I'm not sure if it was Schefter, but I know somebody indicated that his agent had tried to make sure that that. That bonus was guaranteed.
4: Right. They had gone to the Buccaneers the week before and asked the Buccaneers to guarantee the incentives that he hadn't reached yet. Well, why didn't he ask for the guarantees at the beginning of the season? Don't base it on incentives. When you come back to the team, if you're the agent, you ask for the guarantee then. You don't say, well, we've got uh, he's not outperforming his contract. So if, if you're the agent, you don't go back to the team and say, hey, can you guarantee these incentives because he hasn't reached them yet?
1: And maybe both of them thought that it was the end of the season which is why they wanted it to be guaranteed because they thought that this might be their last opportunity who knows yeah but it would it would not shock me but I'll tell you this Randy I always say someone once told me this and it really sticks with me when someone shows you who they are believe them. totally Antonio Brown has showed us who he is multiple times we don't need to, to go down the list if you have paid attention to football at all over the past several years. You know who Antonio Brown is. And I I know that this is a person who struggles with a lot of things. I I am not gonna touch the mental illness thing. I, I don't wanna get into that because it's clearly something that affects him. However, when you treat people like garbage and you Are somebody that is constantly not only unreliable but you don't think the rules apply to you and you don't think that consequences are going to await you Mm -hmm. why would I and you've lied many times by the way why would I ever trust your version of events never never, ever ever, no you have shown me who you are I'm gonna believe you
4: by the way the young lady who was smuggled into his room allegedly
1: she's quite the history that Ava
4: Louise Oh, yeah. She's brown, you know?
1: Well, not that. About her licking toilet seats. She went viral yeah, lick, she licking that. toilet seats a few years ago trying to catch COVID. Trying, trying
4: to get the COVID. Yeah. yeah. But she also claimed that Brown said to her, wait till you see what I do tomorrow on Saturday night, which kind of leads me to believe that maybe what he did was premeditated with the throwing the shirt into the stands oh, and yeah. taking That's the shirt Oh, yeah. That's what I was saying. He, he yeah. clearly
1: had told her, watch yeah. me tomorrow. Right. Wait till yeah. you see what I'm going to do tomorrow. So... Listen, I didn't believe him before. I certainly don't believe him now. No. <laughs> and I know that there's three sides to every story your side, my side, and the truth. However, I, I am just not going to put any credence into what someone like this says. I'm No, just you not. can't.
4: Just
6: and
1: send
4: him home. Send him home. If he gets another opportunity in the NFL, shame on that team. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me! Fool, fool me three times. Really, shame on me! Fool me four times. I'm the Buccaneers. Fool me five times. I'm an idiot.
1: You just have to know what's coming. If you, I mean, if the Buccaneers probably knew what's coming, but what was coming because of the track record. But I imagine when Tom Brady's in charge, and when someone is is really leaning into Tom Brady, and apparently, at least at some point, respectful. You know what? We didn't even mention the the. Antonio Brown calling out Alex Guerrero and leaking the receipts. We didn't even mention Antonio Brown calling out Tom Brady on social media. I mean, there are so many layers to this story. I don't know if we have enough time to get into all of this, but I would imagine if I'm the Buccaneers and I see someone who has a history of erratic behavior at least looking like they've found someone in Tom Brady that they can use as a mentor and is falling into line and, and at least for a while seemingly being a good teammate. I'm thinking to myself, if Anybody is going to get this person to do what we need him to do from a professional standpoint. It's going to be Tom Brady.
4: One more tentacle, and and that's a perfect word for this. Several years ago, when he got traded to the Raiders by Pittsburgh, before he got traded to the Raiders, remember the Bills tried to get him, and that was the story. It was, oh, he's been traded to the Bills. And he said, I'm not going to Buffalo. And then the Bills subsequently traded for Stephon Diggs, who this year has 94 (laughs) catches for 1,144 yards and nine touchdowns. How lucky are the Bills that they wound up not getting Antonio Brown and being forced to trade for Stephon Diggs?
1: Sometimes the best deals are the deals that don't happen.
4: Yeah, it's it's remarkable how the tentacles of this deal are out there. And another team, by the way, is the Steelers, because they could still have him. Instead, J- Juju Smith-Schuster is hurt this year, but he's going to be back. They have Deontay Johnson. They have Chase Claypool. They have the, this array of good receivers now. And they've got a much, I would think, more serene team locker room than they had when he was there. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We've got Peak and Pit on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN up into the peaks or into the pit peaks and pits join in on the conversation with carrier and smallman now text 65780 this is 101 espn
4: going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing at the bottom of the hour. Later on, we're going to talk to Joey Vitale, Jeremy Rutherford, and a great comedian, Aries Spears, is going to be at Helium tonight. He's going to join us in studio at 930. Big sports fan, looking forward to that.
1: If you haven't seen his impressions, do it during a commercial break. Yeah, it's great. They are spot on and so funny. What a talented guy. Can't wait to talk to him.
4: All right, peak or pit. Michelle, what do you have for this week?
1: Well, considering this week is kind of extended because we had the holiday break, my peak, of course, is the winter classic. Mm -hmm. The blues performance in the winter classic, just getting to watch it, it was a spectacular presentation. The blues obviously showed up. They got the job done versus the wild. They had a little fun with the beachwear. Just the entire thing from start to finish if you're a blues fan had to be a peak of the week. And my pit is that it's cold. It's miserable. This sucks. It's bad. Winter is so stupid. Maybe it's
2: cold outside.
1: You know, but. Who is that, Bing Crosby? It's
4: Lou Rawls. Lou Rawls. Lou Rawls. He used to do commercials for Budweiser back in the day.
1: But you know, that's a, that's, I know that song's a bit controversial these days, but that, but that's a, you know, it's kind of like a jovial, like, let's sway back and forth with the smile tone. I wake up and I'm like, are you kidding me? This is terrible. (laughs) It's bad. Yeah. It's It's not that tone of that song that I'm singing.
4: Yeah michelle i'm going to be a little bit more specific about the winter classic my peak of the week was that second period with jordan Cairo. yeah just watching him explode on the national stage was really cool and my pit this week was reading jeff Passon's piece and learning that major league baseball owners and players have not had a discussion since before the lockout that started on december 1st how can these people be so irresponsible with the business and the the sport that they have this is a national trust that they're overseeing, and they're betraying what is a national trust. And back in the day, the Sporting News used to, in a half joking manner, write that baseball was the national past its prime. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is. Baseball, baseball's already was. They had a, a downward arrow. It's getting even worse.
1: Are we watching it die on the vine in I think real we time? Are. Yeah, I think so. And they only really have themselves to blame. Mm -hmm. You know, adapt or die, they say. Evolve or die. And... They have done, compared to other leagues, a poor job in making their product exciting and marketing their players. And they've done a poor job compared to other leagues targeting a younger demographic. And then something like this is gonna happen, not only once but twice over the past couple years when we're in a national pandemic and you have a golden opportunity to be the first league back to galvanize our country and instead you, you guys squabble about things and make everyone upset and now you're gonna have a work stoppage?
4: And to me, if I was in charge, Of owners or players i would be on the phone a couple of times a week at least saying hey do you want to meet and that way i can at least say yeah we we talked a little bit we didn't really get anything accomplished but i I did ask if we wanted if they wanted to meet but don't tell the media don't tell the world that yeah we haven't even talked
1: not only that why aren't they talking (laughs) they're stupid if i was rob manfred i would be getting everybody involved in this up on the phone i'd be like we all have enough money. We're flying to an ex-hotel. We're going to rent out the conference room, enough space for all of us so that we can spread out. You know, if you're concerned about COVID, we'll have the test. Whatever it is, we're getting in a room, and we're not leaving until we hammer this out.
4: From a local the standpoint, end. Roger Goodell, from, from a St. Louis standpoint, Roger Goodell is the worst, most conniving, most, biggest scoundrel in the history of commissioners. The worst. But the worst commissioner for his sport, and I know he's generated a lot of revenue for baseball. Rob Manfreds is the worst commissioner ever. Worse than Peter Eubaroth was for baseball. Terrible. All right, your tech 65780. Andrew Marsh is here. What do you got for us, my man?
7: Yes, from the 618 peak, I went to the Winter Classic and had a blast pit.
4: I brought the weather back with me. Yes, you did.
1: Thanks a lot, Shame buddy. on you. you had a great time, though.
4: Yeah, that's pretty cool. It kind of was cold. I, see, why would somebody? Well, you had a great time. That's good. I, I would just not choose the cold. That's all.
1: It seems like everybody that went though had an awesome time. Yeah,
4: and I'm glad so many St. Louis fans were there.
1: Me too. It was cool.
7: We have a few texters texting in. Their peak was Mikola going after Sidney Crosby, Me-cola. and these two texters must be on the same wavelength because their pit was the Blues ended up you know losing that game, blowing well yeah. the game.
4: Yeah, you don't want to wake up the sleeping giants and they kind of did.
1: You don't want to open that Sydney Crosby door. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs>
4: All
7: right, so the peak of the week from the 314 winning their fantasy football league. They Congratulations. A $1100 pot, 550 a piece. The pit working in this cold mess. TGIF.
1: Yeah,
4: God It's Friday.
7: Friday.
1: Is that Rebecca Black?
4: No, that's a different one. No, that's it's Friday,
7: Friday, Friday. Yeah. We
1: should play that. Oh, yeah.
7: I'll, I'll, no, no,
5: I'll pull it up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A little homework
1: assignment for later.
7: It's on my Spotify Wrapped.
1: <laughs> is it really? No. Oh
7: my god. <laughs> Maybe in 20 or 2009. <laughs> I was gonna say if it is,
1: we need to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we need to dive into that.
7: Yeah. That'd be a problem. Uh, from the 636 peak, my son won his holiday basketball tournament. All nice. right. Nice. Congratulations. Congrats. Yep. Pitt, they dropped and destroyed the trophy when boarding the bus. I don't know. That's,
1: <laughs> that that's kind of a Pitt, too. That's kind of an epic story. Yeah. You know, they're going to look back on that years from now and be like, remember we destroyed the trophy boarding the bus?
4: Was it the World Cup or another soccer tournament where somebody did that when they were they dropped it off the front of the bus or something? I don't know if it was the World Cup, but I do
7: have this picture in my head of them Holding up the trophy and it just falling off.
4: We'll find it.
1: You know, the Stanley Cup has been dented. This is what happens with trophies. Just means you loved it hard.
4: (laughs) That's true.
7: (laughs) The bottom of a pool. So, Peak, this one's interesting. From the 636 Peak, my wife got a new job with a pay increase. All right. Shout out to your wife. Congrats to her. The pit. She's already spent her entire first paycheck. Uh, that And she got paid at midnight today.
1: Not a problem. What do you think? Some post-holiday shopping? Uh-huh. Some, you know what this is? A classic treat-yourself moment. It She's is. She's like, you know what? Yeah. I just got a new job. I'm feeling good. Pay increase. Boop. Everything yep. in the shopping cart. Purchase.
4: One of the all-time great lines in the history of sports work stoppages was Patrick Ewing, then of the New York Knicks, when the NBA players were on strike and somebody said how much money do you need and he said well we make a lot of money because we spend a lot of money
1: that's true that's true
4: (laughs) randy it was the world cup that got dropped off uh, off the bus
1: what year it was Uh,
4: 2011. maybe Maybe not no 2011 wouldn't have been a world cup year
1: i don't know do we have i don't know
4: so uh, this is a different one though. This is 2011 when uh, Real Madrid dropped the Copa del Rey. Yeah. Uh, won the Copa del Rey and dropped the trophy from the top of their ceremonial open-top bus. There you That's go. what it was. That's yeah. That's it. There's been a few <laughs>
7: trophies that have just fallen off.
4: That's what happens
7: when it's you like play football. A a where you can't use your hands. Yeah. I remember there was a bowl game or like a rivalry game where a college football team it just. Dropped and they had to get a new one, I think. I can't remember. It was, I think it
4: was last year, or two years ago. Well, the reason they have the guys that carry around the Stanley Cup now is because one night the Stanley Cup wound up in a player's front yard and spent the night there by itself. <laughs> and I think another time it wound up at the bottom of Mario Lemieux's pool in awesome. Pittsburgh. Awesome. Yeah, so they've done some pretty weird things with the Stanley Cup. Not as weird as Chris Duncan did with the Commissioner's Trophy, but still weird things.
1: Or, at least if they've done it with the Stanley Cup, we don't have the photos to prove it like we do with Dunk.
4: <laughs> exactly. Yep.
1: That's one of the all-time epic photos, though.
4: Yeah, just uh, yeah, just do a Google search for Chris Duncan World Series trophy.
1: Miss our friend.
4: It's well, was, was the best. Speaking of uh, things breaking, my pit of the
7: week is my desk. That's right. Uh, breaking earlier this week. Made of glass. Had a microphone that I had mounted to my desk. Probably shouldn't have done that, but... It is what it is, and I swiveled it, and the entire thing shattered—computer, lamp, little mini TV—all on the desk. Did you right crash through, Randy? I probably said something that's probably not good for these airwaves.
4: Planker, planker. Yeah, I would do that too.
7: And then I just started laughing because I was like, "There's no way that that just happened." <laughs> And then I had to clean it up.
4: I got to laugh. It's funny. You have to laugh things off like that.
1: That, He sent us a photo. Andrew sent Randy and I a photo. There were shards everywhere. We're talking debris all over the room.
4: Unreal. Yeah, you need a Dyson. You need a Dyson vacuum cleaner for that. Yikes. Yep. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. And coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk some golf. The season is underway in Hawaii. Jay Delsing next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Good morning to our friend, Jay Delsing, former PGA Pro, played on the Seniors Tour last year. The Ascension Charity Classic took the first shot in that tournament, and now a great St. Louisan. Always been a great St. Louisan, but joins us every week and, of course, is here on 101 ESPN every Sunday morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing?
8: All uh- right. You guys have been doing well. How about you guys?
4: Everything's great. Hey, I want to ask this question. And I understand that in Kapalua, at the Century Tournament of Champions this week, you've got John Rahm and you've got Cantlay and you've got Cameron Smith. Why doesn't everybody play on the Hawaiian leg of the PGA Tour?
8: Well, first of all, the the Tournament of Champions is only for the guys that have won events. Mm -hmm. And what's happened, and Phil and Tiger started this, uh, that... You know the the purses had gotten so high, and um, it's such a long trip that they started skipping it when they were eligible, because they didn't want to make that long trip over, and they weren't going to play the following week on at Oahu at Wailea for the for the Sony Hawaiian Open. So I, it's it's lost on me though, Randy. I'd be over there every single time I could. It's it's. Uh, a great place to hang out, Maui in January. My gosh, man! <laughs> right. I, think, I think last place money's like a hundred thousand dollar. I, you know, that didn't happen in our generation at all.
1: Jay, not the your favorite course that you ever played, but what was the best location that you ever got to go to play golf?
8: Oh my gosh, it has to be right there, Michelle, because you can stand out. I think there's, I think I counted one day five holes I could see whales, you know, breaching out in the ocean. On wow. My This isn't much like North County. This is really (laughs) a cool gig, you know. And um, we used to play over there years ago, guys, in the Lincoln. Ford Lincoln Mercury used to have an event after the PGA Tour season ended. And it was similar to that event. The purse wasn't nearly as high, of course. But we used to go over and just have a blast. And, you know, you could go play golf. You didn't have to practice. And uh, you, you check out some of the sites in, in, uh, of, of Maui. It was spectacular.
4: One of the interesting stories about this week is that Victor Hovland lost his clubs. They arrived six days late. What story do you have, if one, about being separated from your clubs?
8: Okay, so I was traveling with three daughters and I think 17 pieces of luggage. We were going from St. Louis to go out and spend the holidays at Uh, my ex-wife's house in Southern California. I was going to prepare for the year and every single piece of luggage made it except for my golf clubs. And they never showed up. And what was interesting about that, I was like, well, you know, it must not be meant to be, this, that, the other thing. About a month later, I got a call and some character from Los Angeles who I did not know wanted to sell me my clubs back. And? and? I was like, and I said, uh, yeah, come on over. And uh, so he comes on over. And all the woods are dismantled. Everything, their, their shafts are all, you know, broken. And all I wanted to do was take the putter out of the bag because that was unharmed and get a look at who this guy was. I said, I'm not giving you a nickel for that. You guys have destroyed us. Go, good luck to you. Have them get, get away from me. And we did not meet at the house I was staying at either. We met in the parking lot of the McDonald's. <laughs>
1: In the and, parking lot of a McDonald's, I love that. And,
8: and did you get, were you able to exactly
4: replicate the clubs that you had, or were they clubs from your childhood or something?
8: No, they were they were really replaceable, actually. I wasn't playing all that well at the time anyway, and I thought, <laughs> well, good riddance for those guys. I'll get a new set and see if I could have a little better luck with them. And, you know, when you were playing, this was back in the day where they tried to do the best they could to replicate them. Now. You guys, oh my gosh, things have been so specified and, and specific. You can go to the manufacturer and they can make something almost identical.
1: Jay, because it's New Year's still, I guess today's the last day you can still say Happy New Year with it being January 7th. But a lot of people have New Year's resolutions to work on their fitness or perhaps lose weight. So it seems like everywhere you go, there's targeted content to you about diets and fitness and health. And I've been seeing a lot actually pertaining to golf about how a lot of different golfers had gotten into shape phil mickelson particularly i read a couple articles on phil mickelson's fitness when you were playing was it was the focus on fitness nearly as important as it is today and when did you think that that really started to take shape was it with tiger or how how do you think that golfers really got into the fitness game the way that they have
8: oh my gosh michelle if you and this will be painful to do but if you go back and google any of the, the majority of the guys that played in my era, you either got guys that were relatively thin or you got, you know, soft, fluffy guys. <laughs> I mean, we, we didn't do much of this at all. I was always into it more because it helped me mentally, you know, because I was trying to figure out how to burn some of the stress off. So I was always jogging or, or you know, do I, but none of us ever lifted weights at all. Now it's all because of Tiger. I can remember when Tiger came out and... I was standing on – I was hitting balls next to – well, he came in and started hitting balls next to me, and I'm sure he didn't even notice who I was, but I was over – you know. When it, it, um, uh, Kelly Chase said on your guys' interview, uh, well, it was last year, but it wasn't all that long ago, that when anybody was in a locker room with Wayne Gretzky, everybody always looked to see what he did, right? Well, when Tiger would come on the driving range, everybody would watch. What he did, well, hell, he's hitting balls next to me, so not not only am I watching him, and I don't even know, what, I was firing balls off left and right, but um, I wanted to listen to this stuff that he was talking about, like, what can I garner from him that's going to help me, right? And he says to Joey, he goes, yeah, I just got to 300. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, he's not talking to me. I'm eavesdropping on this conversation. 300 what? He had just bench-pressed 300 pounds an hour before he got to the range. And I'm like, what? I couldn't believe. It. I honestly couldn't believe it. I told all my friends and they're like, yeah, we well, look at him. And I'm like, yeah, but how do you move your arms after that? You know, now he's going to play a tour event after he just lifted weights. And it really boils down you guys to being flexible. And so what the guys are doing now and the way they're so strong and the way they're so fit, and it is all because of Tiger is because of the flexibility factor. After they lift, they do a ton of stretching for their joints and for their for their hamstrings, their quads, their their butt, their back, all of those things to keep them really strong but stay flexible. And it is a it is a you know our game now is nothing but power. It's sheer power and speed, and it's all because of Tiger.
4: Jay Delsing, one more thing. Ozzy is bringing in that 1982 World Championship infield. I think the best defensive infield of all time. And they're going to get together on February 17th over at Ballpark Village. And people can still get tickets for that at Ozzyandfriends.com. But it benefits PGA Reach, which started here in St. Louis. And I'm amazed when I read about what PGA Reach has been able to do and what they've grown into.
8: I'm Sorry, Randy. I lost the question.
4: Yeah, I, I was. I just wanted to get your impressions of what PGA Reach has become.
8: Oh my gosh, it's incredible! And I did hear the first part about Ozzy in the infield for eighty-two, and I, I'm excited. I loved watching that team. But what be what what um, Ozzy has taken on is so uh, right in character for the sort of baseball player that he was. He's a Hall of Fame guy. He reinvented. The the position he played it in such a different way at such a different level, and what he's doing with PGA Reach is basically taking that foundation, along with the clout of the PGA and the and um, uh, the PGA of America members, and 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 put a face to it. And guys, that is just uh, crucial for the for the grassroots of an organization like that, and it's become uh, tremendous. And I can't wait to see what it grows into, because as, you know, after the, the huge success of the 2018 100th anniversary of the PGA Championship, I mean, all of a sudden people are like, oh, this is a PGA reach function, this, they're doing that, and it's really because of Ozzy. There's no golfer in town that could have had the impact that Ozzy has, and, and it's and it's just fantastic, and all of those kids and all of those programs are all benefiting because of the Wizard.
4: Jay Delsing, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much. And, of course, we'll hear you at 9 o'clock Sunday morning. What do you got coming up on the show Sunday?
8: Uh, I'm doing a best of Bob Costas and Jim Nance. and There's some great stories that those guys told. I, can't, I I actually really look forward to listening.
4: Looking forward to it. Thank you, sir. And, once again, Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year, guys. Thank you. See ya. Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. And by the way, we're saying Happy New Year a lot because today is the seventh, and we've determined that this is the last day that you can say Happy New Year.
1: Yeah, without it being weird. Kind of a rule. Yeah. I would imagine by next week that New Happy, Year's glow is over.
4: not new anymore because half the people will have already broken their New Year's resolutions.
1: I think a lot of people already have.
4: I think so, too. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got to Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it.
4: Michelle Swallman, Randy Carricker, Andrew Marsh. Good to have you with us on this Friday morning on 101 ESPN. Baby, it's cold outside. It is. We're going to play Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Still hasn't reached double digits. If you haven't walked outside, it's kind of cold.
1: Sick. TGIF.
4: Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Unreal. I guess for the blues, this is like spring break, though compared to what they've been dealing with. Yeah,
4: right, with what they had in Minnesota, no doubt about it. Take it or leave it, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, if the AFC playoffs started, started today, you'd have a divisional game, Chargers or Raiders, at Kansas City. You'd have the Colts with Jonathan Taylor at Cincinnati. And you'd have the Patriots at Buffalo. Take it or leave it, you wouldn't be surprised to see all three AFC home teams lose.
1: Give me the home teams again.
4: Kansas City against the Chargers or Raiders. Yes. Bengals at home against the Colts. And Buffalo at home against the Patriots. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see all three road teams yep. win.
1: I could see all road, all three road team teams winning, but those are three interesting matchups. They really
4: are. Yeah, Love the that. division, the, you hate that first round of the playoffs being a divisional game, your third game of the year, which is what the Chiefs essentially will have. With Jonathan Taylor, if any a team can keep the ball away from Joe Burrow and company, it's yep, the Colts, right? That's right. Run it. With that offensive line. And then we've already seen what the Patriots can do at Buffalo. That's oh, but you know what, by the way? They'll so just run let it. Let me throw this out there.
1: Every single play but three. What? Go ahead. I,
4: I have determined I, I can't believe I didn't think of this earlier. Mac Jones is Chad Pennington. And Chad Pennington was a really good quarterback. Didn't have a big arm. Completed a huge percentage of his passes and Bill Parcells uh and then when he got to Miami, the Chan I believe was their coach, built an offense around his capabilities. It's not a bad thing, but Mac Jones is Chad Pennington.
1: I know you're not a fan.
4: I prefer to have a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield. And I got spoiled by the greatest show on turf and Mountain Mahomes and, you know, watching what football is now. But in the seventies or in the eighties, you could get by with a quarterback like that.
1: I was listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning, and they were talking about Baker Mayfield, which I'm going to get to in a second. But they made the comp that Baker Mayfield... It was... Um, I forget who was on with them. White- I think it was Todd Haley made mm-hmm. the comp that Baker Mayfield has a lot of the same characteristics, football-wise, as a quarterback, as Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that comp? Basically saying that he's hes not the fastest, he's not the most elusive, but he's, he's got the arm.
4: Yeah, he's just... Kurt could drop it in a bucket. And I haven't seen that sort of accuracy yet from Baker Mayfield. And obviously the mind, Kurt told me several times, he knew what the defense was going to do when he walked up to the line of scrimmage. He, he was able to read the defense and know what they were going to do before the ball was even snapped. And that's really an unusual gift. He's such an instinctive guy.
1: Mm-hmm. So speaking of Baker Mayfield, leaves me to my Tioli. So Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer wrote an article, and here's the headline. She said, Baker Mayfield must resolve his differences with Kevin Stefanski soon in case they need to coexist next season now if you went on to read the report also in there it said that if Baker Mayfield quote doesn't get assurances that things will change next season the quarterback will consider asking to be traded now he quote tweeted this and said clickbait you and many other Cleveland local media continue to be drama storing reporters with no sources or facts don't put words in my mouth so you can put food on your table I'm not your puppy it take it or leave it what Mary Kay Cabot wrote is true
4: I'm going to take that 110 percent Mary Kay Cabot has been covering the Browns forever and she has more sources in that organization than Baker Mayfield has and so he better check himself before he wrecks himself because he he doesn't want at least if I were him I wouldn't want or if I was his representative I wouldn't want to start a fight with Mary Kay Cabot.
1: There's no way that she puts that in print, that there are differences between the two of them, unless it's an incredibly well-sourced piece of information. Yeah. Someone in that organization has told her that there's tension and that he may want out, or else she wouldn't have gone with that. He's. I, I think he might have this reaction, because he doesn't want some of this to come out. But either way, I. I also can't imagine what it would be like to have people reporting their version of my life all the time. If I'm Baker Mayfield, that has to be incredibly frustrating, but I just don't think it's a great look for him to be this aggressive about a report, knowing that maybe he didn't say all of this to her, but that somebody else on the other side of this might have.
4: With a legendary beat writer. She's
7: sensational
4: at what she does.
7: Did you guys see what Brandon Whedon tweeted, though? He quote tweeted it and said same stuff, different year with her. She can't help herself. Mm. Oh, she's got sources. Brad Whedon isn't there, isn't there anymore either. He was an uh, electric quarterback for that organization. He was really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Your text 65780. Andrew, what do you got? Uh, it's National Bobblehead Day. This is from the 636. Oh, nice. Take it or leave it. There should be a character in Smallman Bobblehead.
4: I'll I will take, take that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, there needs to be.
1: Should we we'll work on that. get the station on that or what?
4: Yeah, we've got a guy.
1: A bobblehead guy? Yeah. Okay, cool.
4: We can make this happen.
1: I love that.
7: All right. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Blues should have kept going after Sidney Crosby cleanly like they would have in 2019.
4: I am going to leave that. And maybe you pound him a little bit if you're in the playoffs, but you Mm -hmm. don't. You're going to see him once during the regular season in Pittsburgh. You don't want to do that. There's no good reason to do that. Now, if you're going to see him for seven games in a row, it's a different animal altogether, but not just for that one game.
1: Yeah, and we saw what happened when you pounded him a little bit. He got mad. That's right. Do we really want to continue to incite the beast? I don't know. It's a risk. It's a risk.
7: From the 636, take it or leave it. The Blues trade for a top four defenseman within a week.
4: Leave it.
1: I'll leave that too.
4: When it happens, if it happens, it's going to happen, I would think, at the deadline. Mm -hmm. From the 636, take it or leave it.
7: Michelle should give her take on deep dish pizza over the PA at Wrigley Field.
1: I'll take that. And while I have the mic, we're talking about old style and how trash that is, too. We're just going in on Chicago Foods.
4: Just talk Cubs, too.
1: (laughs) Hey, they've won a World Series more recently than the Cardinals. So I'm going to leave that one alone. Take it or leave it. But history, like yeah. overall scoreboard, yeah. we know who's when, winning.
4: When you win one in a hundred and what are we, one hundred and thirteen years now? I, I would suggest that the one is luck. You fell into one,
1: or one incredible rain, di- rain delicious.
4: <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I couldn't even get that out <laughs> without laughing.
7: The Chris Bryant almost fell into losing that game, which would have been incredible. Mm-hmm. The end of it would that, have that been game, fun.
5: Yeah.
7: Uh, Take it or leave it. There will be at least three NFL teams getting blown out this week.
4: Let's take a look at the schedule, shall we? Let's do it. I have it right here. Okay.
1: Um, What are the
4: biggest spreads this week?
1: Let's see. Green Bay, Detroit.
4: That won't be a blowout.
1: Let me... The Colts and Jacksonville?
4: I would suggest that that will be. That's one.
1: Uh, The Titans and the Texans? Two. Two. How about the Bills and the Jets? There you go, three. Should I keep going?
4: (laughs) Uh, Who else is going to blow out the opposition?
1: Is Um...
7: Is there a matchup that is important that will overall disappoint? That we think, hey, this should be a
4: really good matchup. There's playoff implications on the line and then boom, blowout. There's only a couple of games that have real playoff implications. Raiders and Chargers is one of them. On Sunday night, I wouldn't think that that will be a big deal. And Patriots, from a seeding standpoint, I can see the Dolphins beating the Patriots out of Miami.
1: I didn't know who to pick. This is one of probably three weeks that I've remembered to make our picks at 101 ESPN at oh, the Up challenge. I think you. I forgot to make my picks like seven weeks in a row. So, um, don't judge my place in the standings. Just know that I haven't made my picks in all in a while. But I made my picks last night and that was the toughest game for me to pick. Because I want to pick our dolphins, but I don't know.
4: You also patriots. want to pick your Patriots.
1: They're not my Patriots. They're not my Patriots. Okay. But the kind of No, no, no. I am Team Brady in this divorce. We know this. Okay. I just don't I know, I a... know Belichick, the playoffs are coming, he's ramping it up, you I think,
4: know. I think you have a Bet that would benefit you though, if the Patriots do succeed.
1: What's the bet? I forget.
4: I think you had the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and if they don't. Oh,
1: that's right. That's right. I did. <laughs> I did. So yeah, good thing I picked the Patriots in the like Pick'em Challenge. <laughs> I did. I did. I picked Patriots Bucks like a month ago. Yeah. I don't feel as confident about that, <laughs> that big a, sitting here today. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. You're welcome. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, the Antonio Brown saga continues with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it could get worse before it gets any better at all. That's next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take.
1: Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today.
4: 803 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If you haven't heard, you need to uh, do a Google for Ava Louise. <laughs> and there's a Guardian story. Don't
1: about do it on your work computer. No. And just saying.
4: SFW. Not C-F-W. That's
1: me. That's us yeah. helping you. Yeah. People helping people. Yep. Powerful stuff. Do so, it on your phone.
4: Ava Louise uh, in the Guardian claimed that she was requested by Antonio Brown to visit his hotel room in New Jersey over the weekend. Yes. Has a lot of receipts, and it seems like it's a pretty legit story. And then last night, Jenna Lane of ESPN, who covers the Buccaneers, reposted an Ava Louise Instagram, which said, Buccaneers, at Buccaneers, test your team, because apparently, this is what we're led to believe, it shows a positive COVID test and we presume that it's hers and that she is positive. Now, there's no guarantee that that's the case, but she's actually telling the Buccaneers to test their team. So there are a lot of things happening with the Antonio Brown situation. And uh, yesterday we did sick of it. And yesterday, Bruce Arians, he was sick of it.
5: That was a, a disturbing thing when we were looking for him to go back into the game. All right, we always had, uh, he was very upset at halftime about who was getting targeted, got that calmed down. Players took care of that. It started again on the sideline. We called for the personnel group that he had played in the entire game. He refused to go in the game. That's when I looked back and saw him basically wave off the coach. Um, I then went back, approached him about what was going on. Uh, I ain't playing. What's going on? I ain't getting the ball. That's when I said you're done, get the f out of here, and that's the that's the that's the end of it, and uh, we're work we're working on Carolina. That's the end of the story, and um, hopefully it ends today. You can not force a player to play. I mean, they they have that choice. It's their body, and uh, he decided to play. He and Mike both were on pitch counts, all right. And um, we were trying to manage that as best we could in the first half.
4: It sounds like even now that Bruce Arians is trying to logically explain all of this and not be explosive about it, except he did say, get the F out of here to Antonio Brown. But because of Antonio Brown's history, Michelle, because of what happened in Pittsburgh, because of what happened in Oakland, because of what happened in New England, plus the Buffalo situation, I I would... Even though Antonio Brown had a very well-worded and thought-out explanation that his lawyer provided to Adam Schefter and several other media outlets, I would tend to believe what Bruce Arians is saying well before I would believe what Antonio Brown is saying.
1: Bruce Arians is one of the most transparent coaches in sports, Mm -hmm. period. Bruce Arians always shoots it straight, probably to his detriment sometimes, tells you like it is. and. I have no reason. If I'm, if you're asking me, are you going to believe a coach who has given you no reason to believe that he's not going to tell the truth over someone who was just suspended for lying about their vaccination status and has a long laundry list of things where he has lied or done something irrational, not really expecting to face the consequences, and then tried to twist it around to benefit himself, am I going to believe A, B, or if I, or am I going to believe B, A? And I, I know that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but then comes along old A, Louise with all of the receipts. And why why would I not believe her version of events when he says wait till you see what I'm going to do tomorrow and her getting snuck into his hotel room she's got the receipts this is in black and white and if you're thinking well maybe they're text messages you can fake text messages she's got voice memos from Antonio Brown she's got videos per his request of them engaging in the act she's got his room number in these texts Mm -hmm. how would she know what room number he was in unless it was actually him that provided it to her so it seems like Antonio Brown may have premeditated this I don't really know why what's the motivation For him to do this but Ava Louise seems to suggest that this is somebody that really likes attention he wanted her to record them in an an intimate act and post it on her Mm -hmm. OnlyFans He, he clearly was trying to do something explosive
4: if I am the Buccaneers I'm going to go to my security staff and say hey why don't you guys start working go to this Ava Louise and find out when this COVID test is from and if this is hers because before I test every single player, I want to find out if she's legit on that front. It's one, it's very easy to send, uh, I don't even know, if maybe she got it off the internet, a, a picture of a COVID, a positive COVID test mm-hmm. and say, Buccaneers, get your players tested. But I would want to find out if she's real about that. And I don't distrust her either, but I would want to find out what the situation is. I If I would, if I were the Bucks, I would want my security people to interview her to find out whether or not there's a chance that Tom Brady could have been infected by Antonio Brown.
1: If I'm also having a conversation with Buck's security, first and foremost, how'd you let this girl get to his room? I I would imagine of all NFL teams probably have great security, but especially a team that has Tom Brady as the quarterback. I would imagine that Tom Brady and Antonio Brown's rooms are in a close vicinity. I know that per the reports, they were supposed to meet early the next morning And I would imagine that their rooms aren't too far apart. You're telling me that there's no one guarding the floor that Tom Brady is on, or at least in the vicinity that Tom Brady is sleeping the night before a game? He better have
4: a suite, right? He better be upstairs.
1: I would imagine. I don't know. Maybe they weren't near each other. But either way, I would just think that there would be a little bit Tighter (laughs) security—that it would be harder for some girl to just walk in behind a group of people, and all of a sudden she has access to players' rooms.
4: Michelle, I just did a cursory uh, look. I I just uh, did a Google, Google image search for positive COVID test, and it looks like the picture that she put up is was already on Google, and I don't know if it's hers or not, but it was already up on the interweb So maybe she just grabbed one off of the interwebs and. Said Buccaneers get your players tested.
1: Or maybe that is her photo that's coming up in your group. That
4: very well could be. She might need a pregnancy test, to be honest.
1: Oh, yikes.
4: Yeah. If you're
1: at CVS, you could just skip both.
4: Now, the other thing about this is that I know this is a Super Bowl championship team. They already don't have Chris Godwin. They don't have Leonard Fournette. Now they don't have Antonio Brown, and they have massive distractions. I wonder how much the Antonio Brown situation in and of itself will affect them heading into the playoffs and playoffs yeah can, can Tom Brady because he has elevated players around him before can he continue to elevate the likes of Cyril Grayson and Brashad Perriman like he has this season already in the last month can that happen in the playoffs or do you need the level of talent that guys like Brown and Godwin and Fournette bring to the table
1: he still has Evans he still has Gronk But this is Tom Brady. This is a person who has dealt with distractions from the jump. If you watch any of the man in the arena when deflate gate was going on that motivates tom brady even further Mm -hmm. it feels like whenever there's a scandal or a controversy that's when tom brady shines the brightest so i in no way think that this is something that's going to be too much of a distraction for a tom brady led team to overcome now will it affect them on the field not having him as a target that's a different story but as far as the media distraction and everything going on in that regard i don't think that that's going to matter one iota no it
4: I would think that the biggest issue will be that ordinarily you didn't have a cornerback good enough to cover their third receiver. And, and by the way, they don't have Scotty Miller either. The issue now will be that they have one premier receiver in Evans who, as Bruce Arians noted, has been on a pitch count. He isn't 100%. And now you have a couple of... If you're a representative of defensive team you have a couple of people that should be able to cover their number two and three receivers. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Joey Vitale talking some blues hockey and certainly more on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking Blues Hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org.
4: capitals tonight six o'clock pregame seven o'clock faceoff here on 101 espn we head to the brown and crouppen celebrity line and our analyst for the blues here on 101 espn joe vitale joins us as he does every friday morning good morning sir how you doing randy doing good doing good buddy how are you today everything's terrific michelle and i have determined that this day january 7th is the final day to say happy new year after today the new year isn't new anymore
0: yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, it's, we're definitely we're definitely in the swing of things. And January 7th, uh, if you don't remember, is the three-year anniversary of Jordan Bennington's first start in Philadelphia,
4: Randy. Right, exactly. And that started the roll towards the Stanley Cup championship. Hey, Joey, as we get started here, uh, Paul Bess- Bessonette brought up on the air the other night the story of you being the DJ in the Penguins dressing room <laughs> during the winning streak. I want you to tell that story to people that are tuned in right now.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes, that was that. Uh, you know, that was when I told on their their podcast uh, in the week the Blues started the Stanley Cup final with the Boston Bruins, and, and it was such a subtle like uh, uh, breeze over story in my mind. But I it, it, apparently people get get their kicks out of it, and and to me, it's the number one question I get now that I've retired. It isn't what was your first game like? What was it like playing the NHL? It's always it's always what was it like playing with Sidney Crosby. I mean, to me, that's always the question people ask. So I think people are just really intrigued by some of the best in the world, but. Long story short, I get to Pittsburgh. It was my rookie season. Uh, Max Talbot had just gotten traded. He was a DJ for like five or six years. They needed a DJ. They appointed to the rookie, which was me. So, you know, being, being a DJ, you got you to gotta listen to people. You got to find out what the French Canadians like. They love their techno. And then the old school Brooks Orpix love their Metallica, right? So, you got to try to intermix all these songs. I always throw some oldies in there, some Sam Cooke to kind of get things rolling, and uh, Luke Bryan country. And then one, one game, this is about a month or two into the season, um, I started putting this mix together for the next game. Now, the only rule, there's only one rule as far as being a DJ in the National Hockey League for all you listeners out there if you ever get that opportunity. The only rule is you don't change the mix if you win the game. So let's say I have a 13-track mix. Uh, from the moment the coach is done with the pregame meeting to the moment you go out for warm-ups, here's the 13 songs. Let's say you win. The next game, it has to be that track. And it doesn't change until you lose. So, one track, it was around November time. I put on this different song, and Florence and Machine song, Dog, Dog Days Were Over, that was a big hit that year, right? So, I was like, oh, I'll throw this on the mix. It's kind of an upbeat, kind of jam, because she's got a good voice. It's kind of got a little little, little little, jump to it. Throw it on there, and as as I'm doing it, I'm in the locker room. I can still see myself there. I'm taping my stick in the locker room in Pittsburgh. And the song comes on. Pre game, coach just left, and Sidney Crosby comes up to me and he goes, Hey, man, this is an unbelievable song. I was like, yeah, this is this is a good jam. Like it came out in the summertime. He goes, Oh no, I know it came out in the summertime. Well, I went to Italy this this summer with Braden Chen and Nathan McKinnon. Our our girlfriends and wives came along with us, and this is right when this song came out. So he starts going on to this whole story, and I'm just listening, and, and it's a good story. about so going to Italy and the Amalfi Coast and jumping in the sea at Capri and all this different stuff, and this song was like their theme song for the whole trip. They put it like on repeat, right? So I'm listening, 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 whatever. We go out. I think he scores a goal. We win the game. So a couple nights later, we're in Philadelphia. The song comes on, right, because you don't change the mix. He literally comes up to me, and he goes, hey, man, this is a great song. I go, yeah. Yeah, it is a good song. And I kind of was like, what's going on? And he starts going into this whole story about how when we went to Italy. He's like, man, we went to Italy. This is our theme song in Italy. We were in Capri. And he starts telling the whole story And hey, Randy, Michelle, this is right after he had all those concussion problems. And so I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like. Is he like having concussion issues? Like you not remember. He told me the story. And then after the, so I kind of let it go and we win that game. And he got a couple of assists. The third game back in Pittsburgh. Hey dude, this is a great song. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we went on like a 13 or 14 game, like streak, like run where every game, every game when this song came on, he would come up to me and he'd tell this exact same story again. And I'm the idiot because I got to act like I've never heard this stupid story before, but you know what? Uh, that was his superstition and and it worked. It worked for him. And so, you know, at the end of the day, it's one of the things you kind of do. Now, my thing, here's my thing. I look back on that story and the problem for me was while he was on a great run, the team was doing great. I was doing atrocious. Like I, <laughs> I, I was in the worst, I was in the worst run of my life. So by like game 10 or 11, I'm like, my mind's starting to melt because I got to get away from this routine because it's screwing me up. So at one point, I, I hid in the bathroom. I believe we were in Jersey. I hid in the bathroom when the song came on. I think, I just, I, I, I can't do it today. Like, I can't do it today. He'll be fine. He's Sidney Crosby. He'll figure out a way to score a goal. He doesn't need the dog days are over uh, routine with me to figure out how to win, right? So I hide in the bathroom and the song's almost over. I can kind of hear it faintly. I'm in the stall, or whatever. And literally, like 20, 30 seconds ago in the song, I hear like a boom! Or boom goes open and I hear, hey Joe
4: Like
0: He's like, Hey it's Sid, hey every time a time we're going Italy I'm on the stall like Yep yeah. now you know how to go. That was great. We went to uh we went to post it. <laughs> I'm like, no mind is like it's like eating itself at this point. And finally at Randy and Michelle after about fifteen or sixteen games. He he, we we lose, and he came up to me right after. I mean, right after the loss, we're getting changed. We're kind of getting our get off whatever, and he's like, "Hey man, that was good." And he gave me the knuckles. He's like, "I'm really sorry, but that. that was that was a good run we went on." I was like, "That was that was something. That was something." So you know, it's, he 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 truly is one of the most superstitious players I've ever been around, and and not only, and I, and I say this a lot, but it's not only for just giggles and and kicks and it doesn't just, you know, you know, whatever. It it really is to put him in the right frame of mind where he can be consistently uh, night in night out the best player in the world. But no, we had so much fun with him and there were so many goofy things he did. Like he'd fill up a Gatorade cup halfway. He'd always chuck clear tape into a stall and then if, if it fell, he'd have a bad game and so guys would always be messing with his routine. And at the end of the day though, there there are some superstitious guys, you guys don't run a lot of baseball players. Some guys take it really seriously. Like, if you mess them up, they, they get really furious. He was a kid that he had his routine, he had his superstitions, but you can kind of poke fun and kind of, like, lean on him a little bit, and he would kind of laugh it off, too. So, he just found this wonderful balance. But, no, there was, there was always those moments in Pittsburgh where you had to not only get ready for your game, but, but every player will tell you, what, what does Sid need? What, what does Sid need out of me? For, everyone had a thing they did with Sid, and you had to make sure you were doing your stuff for you personally, of course. But everyone had their own thing. And it sounds kind of selfish, like arrogant, like this guy must be a bad leader if everyone's catering him. But it wasn't. He was just so good. He was so good. And he was such a big part of our team that you're like, I got to make sure this guy is at the top of his game. Because if he does well, I do well, right? So everyone kind of, you know, had their little things they did with them. And at the end of the day, it always seemed to work out well.
1: Well, Joey, we also learned that you don't want to poke the bear when when Mikola and Crosby were going at it, and all of a sudden we're seeing blood coming out of his face. Randy and I are watching the game. We're saying, "Uh uh-oh. We talked to David Perron earlier this week. He was saying, "Uh uh-oh. I heard you on the broadcast. You were saying, "Uh uh-oh. You just kind of knew he was going to flip the switch after that.
0: You did. You did. You know, and this is something I I think I said in the broadcast with John Kelly the other day. You know, a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference who play him over and over, um, they're more familiar with what, what, how he ticks and, and what to do and what not to do. You know, the Philadelphia Flyers or New York Rangers, you see them, you know, five, six times a year, whatever whatever it is, you know, three or four times now. But you know this is what you do, this is what you don't do. When he came into the league, you know, he was a kid. He was. He, he was immature. He was a kid. He was 18 years old. You know, he, he'd get fired up. You know, players would get under his skin, and he would, he would get, let it get the best of him, right? But about probably the third or fourth year in his progression to, to where he is now, he started to kind of turn a little bit. I think he had great guidance living with Mary Lemieux. I think probably really helped. But he had great leaders around him. Billy Garren was a great leader. I think really helped him out in this development as well. But he started to, to kind of shift where it didn't let him get to him as much. And then that third and final shift became not only did he not let it get to him, he actually thrived in it. Like, he actually, he, it actually fed him to go deeper. I remember playing in, in big-time playoff games where we'd be in, in Madison Square Garden and there'd be an intense moment in the game, tied late, two minutes to go like players like me most players the league they kind of shell up right when the stress of the game the anxiety of the game raises we all kind of go a oh, little boy kind of you know hide in our little, our little turtle shell because that's kind of human nature right but he, he's not like that he's a player that i've always said when the game when the game uh, stress rises he brings his game to a whole new level like something i've never seen before like i remember games in philadelphia the chance they would say to him. I mean, like, I can't believe kids were allowed in the building some of the things the Philadelphia Flyers fans said to him and chanting the signs were terrible. I'm like, how is this kid going to go out there and have any kind of resemblance of a decent game with all this stuff, he wouldn't have a decent game. Guys, he would blow the doors down. He'd get a hat trick. He'd get five points. He, he actually thrives in it in t- to a way I've never really seen before. I mean, the closest thing I've probably seen was when I saw that documentary last year would be Michael Jordan. You know, when the games are aligned, he wants the ball. When the puck's aligned, or the games are uh Sidney Crosby wants the puck. Now, I know Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. Technically, skillfully, he is there, right? The speed, the hands, he's got it all. He is technically better than Sidney Crosby. But one area, one area that I've not seen out of Conor McDavid yet is that his game continues to be brought up to a whole nother level when, when games are super important or like playoffs, for example. I mean, is, is there a reason why Connor McDavid hasn't progressed more in the playoffs? I, I think it's because he's not quite at the level of Sidney Crosby yet where – when the game stress rises, he wants it, and he demands it, and he actually makes a productive difference in the game. And that's something that you look at Sidney Crosby, and, and that's what he just does. I think to this day, better than any player. I'm talking about any player across the league, including Nathan McKinnon. You know, he, he wants that puck. He can turn the game on a dime. And you're right, Michelle. When when, when Mikola punched him, he was kind of a non factor in that game. But I remember thinking, like, oh, boy. I told John Kelly, I'm like, oh, boy, here we come. You just you just poked the bear. You, you woke up the monster. Right? You know what I mean? So, that that was something in the game that we wanted to keep an eye on, and and certainly it had a big effect in the game as a
4: result. Hey Joey, what have you thought? You mentioned Jordan Binnington, and this being the three-year anniversary of that first win against Philadelphia. As we move forward, the Blues have played 34 games. What do you think of Binnington this year?
0: I think Jordan has done a terrific job. You know, I know the the numbers probably don't scream at you, right? As far as any kind of awards coming his way, or maybe. Uh, there's a reason why Vasilevsky and uh, maybe Hellebuck have, have kind of, you know, creeped up a little bit higher as far as, you know, um, you know the Vesna's and all that kind of stuff, the Vesna watch, whatever. But I think um, something that continues to stand out about Jordan as I watch more and more games, and watch games not only from the Blues but, but across the board, he, he has this ability, and I, and I don't even know how to put a finger on it, but he just knows, you know, how to make a save in the right moment of the game. He always keeps his team in a great position, to win. Like, I think the biggest, the best part about his game is he's a winner, right? You look at since he came into the league, that moment, you know, three years ago, there's only two goalies that have more wins in that stretch. And it's Connor it's Hellebuck and, and Andre Vasilevsky. So he's right there as far as the wins go. And, you know, like you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, they've been absolutely stacked. You know, so Vasilevsky's had a, an incredible group in front of them. Look at Jordan Bennington. I mean, to be third and win since that time and have the group that he's had, Where well, you look at this year, for example, the COVID, the injuries, I mean, for him to continue to find wins, that's, that's an interesting thing. You know, I, I guess you can kind of compare it to baseball a little bit. Maybe a, a baseball pitcher's numbers aren't that great. But at the end of the year, he gets 20 wins. How does he do that? Maybe he's just a gamer. Maybe he understands the game. Maybe he understands situations of the game. Maybe he understands intensities of moments and, how, and what the team needs, momentum shifts. That, that, to me, is all gamesmanship. And that's what seems that Jordan Bennington really has to me better than any goaltender in the league and why I think the Blues are, are just so, still so high up on him and they should be because he will make that save in the right moment. He will keep his team in a position to win every single night except for a couple here and there. And that, at the end of the day, is what you need out uh, your goaltender.
1: Joey, we haven't talked to you since the Winter Classic. How was the weather? Have you thought out yet?
0: Yeah, hey, Michelle, it was cold. <laughs> it was cold, girl. Oh, my God, it was cold. And luckily, we were kind of in the side booth. We were kind of covered, but the door kept flying open. Oh, but people, uh, people were coming in and, and talking to us, and they were excited to see us. I mean, people's beers, as you saw, were freezing halfway through. If you didn't drink them, quick up. I got a hot chocolate before the pregame to kind of warm up. After an eight-minute pregame, I literally took a sip. It tasted like it tasted like iced tea. It was that cold. It was amazing how cold it was. But it, it was just – it was an unbelievable weekend. Minnesota, the league, did such a great job. The families, the kids. We went up on the family charger. There's, like, kids ripping up and down the hallway. I mean, are the um, – so they, the alleyway there in between seats, uh, the, the wives had such a wonderful time. Everyone stayed as warm as they could, but it, it really was one of those special memories. And the fact that the Blues uh, put on such a great show from a product standpoint on the ice really kind of was the icing on the cake. So we're looking forward to the next one. Hopefully it won't be quite as cold. I think I read the other day it was the coldest game ever um, for the National Hockey League, which was, it's kind of cool to be a part of.
4: Joey V, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in tonight and a Sunday afternoon as the Blues start a five-game homestand. Have a great weekend. Sounds good, you guys. You guys have a great weekend as well. You too. That's Joe Vitale joining us, as he does every Friday, on 101 ESPN and our favorite segment of the week
1: one of the most epic stories joey's ever that's told great i i they had mentioned it on the broadcast he had talked about it on the uh the podcast Spit and chiclets obviously that as he mentioned but just the way he tells that story of him hiding in a bathroom <laughs> stall and all of a sudden the door kicks open and it's sitting across being be like hey joe did i ever tell you
4: that's great that's michelle i'm randy andrews here and the fight is coming your way on 101 espn
3: we're right To the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman.
1: Karen Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It is time for the Friday edition of the Fight, and we are welcoming in Randy's challenger. Dave is with us. What's up, Dave? How are you?
5: I'm I'm doing good. A little on the chilly side, but uh, inside today, so that's good.
1: Are you normally not inside, Dave?
0: I normally am inside.
1: Okay, good. Glad to hear it. Yeah, especially a day like today. Nice weather. Yeah, man, it is cold out there. Miserable. But as we said earlier, I guess after the blues, we're dealing with sub-zero temps. Today seems kind of easy with, I don't know, what is it, like 7 degrees outside?
5: Yeah, so we got about 15 degrees warmer. That's right.
1: Anyway, Dave, good luck to you as you face Randy today, okay?
5: All right, thank
1: you. You got it. Question number one. What division had the teams with the three best records in all of Major League Baseball during the 2015 season? Was it the NL West, the NL Central, or the AL Central?
5: Um, The NL Central.
7: Dave, question number two. What quarterback has thrown for the most interceptions in the NFL this season? Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, or Taylor Heineke? Cocoon.
1: That's not a hint, by the way. I just wanted to say cacau.
7: Oh.
0: (laughs) Can I have the choices again?
7: Yes. We have Trevor Lawrence, Baker Mayfield, or Taylor Heineke.
5: You know, I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence.
1: Question number three, Dave. After Chan Ho Park allowed the first Fernando Tatis Grand Slam of the third inning on April 23rd, 1999, which Dodgers pitcher allowed the second Tatis Grand Slam in the third inning on April 23rd, 1999? Was it Eric Gagne, Chan Ho Park, or Mike Maddox? Chan
7: Ho Park. Question number four, Sidney Crosby scored the game-winning goal in overtime to defeat the United States in the gold medal game in the 2010 Winter Olympics. What goalie was in net for the United States? Was it Jonathan Quick, Ryan Miller, or Tim Thomas?
5: Oh, boy, that's the big guess.
1: Um, I'm going to say Tim Thomas. Okay. Checking our score here. Oh, Randy's lurking in the doorway. Oh, he took out the recycling. Way to do your part, Randy. Thank you. He's getting set up here. Um, Randy, after you put your headphones on, please say good morning to our friend Dave. Dave,
4: good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I love listening to you guys. And Thank you. I've been for years. That's very nice of you. We do You're appreciate that. Thank you.
1: He says as he warms up his machine, getting ready to play the drops. You never know. In case okay. he wins.
5: Hopefully it'll be a bad one.
1: Yeah, that's right, Dave. All right, Randy, are you ready? ready. Question number one. What division had the teams with the three best records and all of Major League Baseball during the 2015 season?
4: Well, that would have been uh, St. Louis, Chicago, Pittsburgh, the National League Central. Randy, question number two. What quarterback has
7: thrown for the most interceptions in the NFL this season?
4: Most interceptions in the NFL. So Mayfield was up there for a long time. Um, and who else was up there? Well, Baker had that four interception game recently. Um, Let me just run through here because there was somebody else that was near the top recently. Um, Well, you had Mac Jones, who's thrown 15. Um, I think I'll, let's see, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Lamar isn't there. Um, South, oh, it was Trevor Lawrence that was up near the top. And he threw three. Yeah, I think I'll go with Trevor.
1: Question number three, Randy. After Chan Ho Park allowed the first T- Fernando Tatis Grand Slam of the third inning on April 23rd, 1999, which Dodgers pitcher allowed the second Tatis Grand Slam in the third inning?
4: I think it might have been Chan Ho Park. I'm going to go with him. Two Grand Slams off of one pitcher in the same inning. Never to be broken again. Yikes. <laughs>
7: Question number four, Sidney Crosby scored the game-winning goal in overtime to defeat the United States in the gold medal game in the 2010 Winter Olympics. What goalie was in net for the United States?
4: This was back in 2010. So this was post-Bezer. I'll do the lifeline here just so we can nail it down. We have Jonathan Quick, Ryan Miller, or Tim Thomas. It was Ryan Miller had a great Stanley Cup. Or uh, w- uh, Olympics, uh, but he didn't win. I believe it was Ryan Miller. Final answer? Yeah.
1: Great fight today. Great fight. One person got all four correct, one person got three correct. We're talking to two guys who know a lot about sports. But who's the victor? Was it Randy? Did he have a clean sweep of the first week of the year? Or was it Dave? Did Dave hand Randy the first L of 2022? Andrew, ring the bell.
3: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Character.
0: Brought
8: to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since
1: 1997. Just win, baby. Dave, great showing. You got three correct. But Randy, he got all four. What are you going to do?
0: Yep, thank you. It was an honor to lose to Randy. <laughs> <laughs> thank
6: you very much. Thanks for That's listening
0: nice and playing,
1: Dave. Have a great Friday.
5: All right, thanks. Bye.
1: So it was the National League Central that had the teams with the three best records in all of baseball in the 2015 season. Yeah, I had higher hopes for that Cardinals team. Stupid Cubs.
4: 100 wins. I yeah, know, me 100 too. 100 wins.
1: Unbelievable. Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback who has thrown for the most interceptions this season in the NFL. Chanho Park allowed the first Fernando Tetti's Grand Slam of the third inning in April 23, 1999. And then he allowed the second one, too. It was mm-hmm. Chanho Park. Yikes. That's a rough day at the office.
7: How, how do you keep that guy in? That's a very good question. Is it like, hey, we're just going to eat some innings here that's kind of blown out of proportion?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Sidney Crosby scored the game-winning goal in overtime to defeat the U.S. in the gold medal game of the 2010 Winter Olympics. Ryan Miller, beanie, was in net for the United States. Good fight, Randy. Good week. Good first week.
4: Ryan Miller, MVP of that tournament. It's one of the reasons the Blues got him in 2014 is because he had been so good in that tournament. Win, 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 win. Oh, no, he didn't win the gold medal, though.
1: No, he didn't.
4: So uh, thanks to Dave for joining us on 101 ESPN.
1: <laughs> do, you ever, do you watch that show, Dave? Good show.
4: I've seen the movie. Never saw the show, though.
1: You should. It's very good. The movie
4: is pretty good, too. Old uh, St. Louis and Kevin Klein, I believe, playing a president that replaces the president.
1: Kevin Klein's from St. Louis? Yeah! Shout out! Didn't yeah. know that. Shout yeah. out to Kevin Capshaw.
4: Steven Spielberg's wife is from St. Louis. Yeah.
1: Wow! Wow! Yeah, we
4: got some people from Sh- here.
1: In case you didn't know, John Hamm, another actor, also that? from St. Louis.
4: Amazing! I know. Know, right? We've got a pretty good history of actors, actresses, comedians, etc.,
1: musicians, Bro- broadcasters.
4: Nelly, yeah. Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> John Goodman. There you- That's another. right. Who, by the way, has lost like two hundred pounds. Two
1: hundred pounds.
4: It's unbelievable Let me double check this. I believe did he go to lost- Slim
1: One Eighty, Randy?
4: If he didn't, he should have because he could have lost 200 pounds there. Let's see. John Goodman. I'm just going to do a quick Wow, congratulations. Cursory. Good. I, I want, he, that means he must have been 400, right?
1: Well, I don't yeah. know. It depends on where he's at 370
4: now? at least. Yeah, it continues. 200-pound uh, weight loss.
1: That's incredible.
4: It was on page six. It uh, doesn't say what he's down to, uh, but he was over 400 pounds. So he lost 200
1: I wonder how he did it. Good for him. Probably the old-fashioned way, diet yeah. and exercise. I would think so, yeah. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> how everyone how else o- does it.
7: How else would you do it?
1: Well, uh, some people have surgery. You know, that helps aid them in their yep. weight loss, true. You know, of course.
4: Amazing. Coming up next, our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, joins us. Actually, he's now an employee of the New York Times.
1: Yeah, big news. Big hey. news on this uh, media landscape yesterday. <laughs>
4: JR next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating
7: world of pro hockey, here we
4: go. Michelle and Randy, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and one of the biggest celebrities in St. Louis is Jeremy Rutherford. He is our Blues insider from the New York Times. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Uh,
6: quit it, quit it, quit it. <laughs> hey, it, It's funny, I have a good friend, uh, Jason Stallman. I worked with him at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch for a while, and he's been up at the New York Times for uh, 20 years. So yesterday, when the sale goes down and the New York Times buys the Athletic, I get a text from Jason Stallman, who's a boss up who's a boss up there, and he says, "Hey, I need 800 words on Terry Turnbull in an hour. Turn it in." in."
4: That's awesome. Hey, uh, before we get to hockey, from everything I read, your job won't be affected. What you do won't be affected. It's just you have a different owner. Our station has been sold before, from one company to another, nothing changed. It's just you have a different owner now.
6: Yeah, thanks for asking, Randy and Michelle. Uh, nothing's going to change, at least for now. Uh, the New York Times has purchased The Athletic. They uh, promised us yesterday that we would remain a subsidiary under The New York Times. We'll still be called The Athletic. We'll still have the same people in charge. And they're really looking forward to adding our sports content to their portfolio. portfolio. So nothing will change, and we'll still uh, be producing what we're doing.
4: And, Jr., I, I want to talk about your piece on Nico Mikola because – you have been around hockey for a long time. I've covered hockey for a long time. And pretty much to a person, everybody will tell you the hardest thing to learn in hockey is to be an NHL defenseman. And the only way you can learn how to be that guy is to get experience. And you and I have both always loved Nico Mikola's abilities. And the Blues are letting him turn into the player that he's capable of being. Whatever that is, they're allowing him to become that guy.
6: Yeah, they really are, and and it's good to to see, and I talked to some people about that for this story. Uh, But let me back up. I remember it was about a year ago, and uh, I had to put together a list of the Blues' top ten prospects currently in the system, and I had Nico Mikula at about four or five and, you know, Clint Coston might have been six or seven, just to, for an example. And people were saying, how could you do this? This guy's a fifth or sixth defenseman. You're talking about, you know, Costin, a forward prospect who could, you know, crack the top nine. And that's what I saw in Nico Mikula with his size, 6'5", you know, 220. Uh, he can play physical. The Blues don't have that. And at the start of the year, Randy, he played, what, just two of the first 17 games. He was the odd guy out. Then he gets COVID, but the Blues could not continue to play Scandell and Pareko together, especially Scandell and that top pair. mikola has been in there. He's making mistakes. It's not pretty. The analytical numbers are just slightly better than, than what they were doing before, but I think you're seeing a progression from Nico, Nico I and mean, He might not be a top pair guy for his career, but I think he's going to be a top four guy.
1: JR, just when we thought the Blues were finally getting healthy, that we were going to see the team in its entirety, the Blues announced that they have placed Vladimir Tarasenko, Scott Perunovich, and Jake Wallman in the COVID-19 protocols. You never want any guys to be out of the lineup, but especially not Vladimir Tarasenko, who's been so productive for the Blues. Mm -hmm. It's hard to tell right now, but with the way Vladdy's playing, I'm sure a lot of Blues fans do not want to see him wearing another sweater. Do you think that Vladdy or Army, either party, could potentially change their minds about what happened this offseason and the trajectory of, of Vladdy's career?
6: Well, I think what's happening with Vladdy now is just it's completely on the back burner. Whether the trade request is there or not, I, I think it will be at the end of the day. Uh, but I think that they've put it on the back burner because the Blues need Vladimir Tarasenko the way he's playing. You know, Doug Armstrong has no interest in trading him. And if this bridge is going to be crossed, I think it would be in the off season, as we've touched on, uh, when he has one year left on his contract. I think he's played so well, it just doesn't make sense for the Blues right now. I think Vladdy, Vladdy's having fun. And I think he enjoys what's happening here, and perhaps he needs to revisit his thoughts in the off-season. But right now, uh, I think it's
4: on the back burner. What intrigues you most about the line combinations with Vladdy not there?
6: Well, I think uh, what they have to do with uh, Brent, Braden Shen is they're going to put him on the left side as they did the other night because of that injury. Uh, Kairou, now it looks like, will be on the right side. We'll see at the morning skate, you know, if they're identical to what they – are in practice yesterday. Uh, To me, all the pieces are are there, Randy. Uh, There just has to be the pressure. You know, there was a highly offensive period in the second period the other night, but for the most part, you know, so much hype about the Blues getting all their forwards back and healthy, and we just didn't see it, and and we have to see that. So a lot of talk about the Blues playing that north-south game. I don't even think they veered off that and got east-west the other night. They just didn't put a lot of pressure on the Penguins. Give the Penguins, though, a, a lot of credit. You know, I thought they played them tough, but this is a much better forward group than we saw the other night. But it's not going to get easier against this Washington team.
1: Jared, it's January 7th, 2022. On January 7th, 2019, Jordan Binnington had his first NHL start. He stopped 25 shots, leading the Blues to a victory over the Flyers. When you first saw Jordan Binnington in that game versus Philadelphia, did you have any sense of the player that he would eventually develop into for the Blues?
6: Not at all, Michelle, and, and I've, shared this, I've shared this story before, but I'm willing to admit it, you know, again, is, you know, when you're the beat writer, you know, there's a couple of us that cover the team on a daily basis. You get texts every day from people, and they say, wow, this Bennington, you know, he's going to be uh, something. And I'm like, okay, give him the puck. He had the shutout. Nice game. You know, this will be something that he remembers for a long time. Look, I've just been covering too long, 15, 20 years, where I've seen goaltenders come up. Have a great game. Nobody knows who they are. And then after six or 10 or 12 games, you know, they come back to reality. Well, you know, that never happened that season with Jordan Bennington. So I'm willing to admit that, uh, you know, early on there when he was playing well, it was like, okay, well, at some point we'll see what happens. But what a ride that was. It was amazing. It's crazy to think that it was three years ago. Uh, Obviously, he's, you know, he hasn't been as consistent as the goaltender we saw in that stretch. I don't know how you live up to that standard once you set it. But as Joey told you guys earlier, you look at the numbers; he's still been one of the better goaltenders in the regular season the past couple of years. So, so we'll see. But what a memorable time in Blues history that was!
4: Yeah, not not only the anniversary of the Bennington start tonight, but last night was the anniversary of the trip to Jack's Bar in Philadelphia <laughs> and the birth <laughs> of Gloria.
6: Just a flat out amazing. And uh, you know what? I don't know, you know what bits and details you guys have heard, but obviously we all you know talk to the players and talk to people to find out how did that you know how did that come about and uh, you know you, you hear the term play gloria and and where did that come from the one story i heard and maybe there's some somebody out there who could verify this is there was a drunk guy at that jack's bar believe it or not a drunk guy at a bar wow and he was sitting over <laughs> in in the chair and so when they would go to commercial break from the football game because remember it was i think it was the eagles football playoff game you know, when they would go to commercial from that TV game, the drunk guy would kind of sit up in his chair and go, play Gloria, play Gloria. <laughs> so, so, you know, they, you know, the, the, the Eagles would have a set of downs. They'd go to commercial break, and and then this guy would just rise up out of his chair after, you know, 20 beers and, and yell, play Gloria.
4: So that's where that came from. That's amazing.
1: Isn't that wild to think one drunk guy yelling something turned into a rally cry <laughs> and a galvanizing force for a team that propelled them to a Stanley Cup championship?
6: It, it, it's unbelievable. So after the second or third time, you know, they played it and, and the crowd is getting into it. You know, that's <laughs> when you have steam and those guys say, that's got to be our jam. That's got to be our jam.
4: <laughs> hey, Jr., one other thing from me, and that's about this division. Colorado has made their move now. They played four fewer games than the Blues. They only have one point less than the Blues. But man, I, I look at Nashville being in first place. I look at Colorado having 42 points, just a point behind the Blues. I'm kind of surprised at the standings nearly halfway into the season. My question for you is, are Nashville and Minnesota going to be able to maintain this?
6: You know, I think Minnesota, they're trying to inject some youth. They brought up a couple of first-round picks in the lineup last night. You know, who knows if that can kind of jumpstart them. You know, they didn't look really good at that Winter Classic you know, Nashville, just haven't seen a ton of them. Blues uh, haven't played them much. They'll see them at the end of this uh, homestand, the five-game homestand, so we'll get a closer look at Nashville. I like their goaltending with Toros, so I think uh, he can hold them into it. You know, they're playing well. I I, I expect that Colorado's going to be there at the end no matter what. I just assume that somehow, some way, you know, they're such a good team that, that they're going to be there. So, you know... I think with Nashville being up there, Randy, it's a little bit different than I thought that it would be. Uh, But I I don't see it being too much different as we go down the stretch here and get into the second half of the season. These are teams that are playing well. And, you know, I'm not all too optimistic about the teams, you know, at the bottom of that Central Division that, uh, you know, making a a turnaround.
4: Jeremy Rutherford, you always provide us great input, great work at The Athletic. We advise everybody to get their Athletic subscription if they don't have it yet. Have a great, great weekend, sir.
6: Yeah, yeah. And, and a quick one here. I did see John Hamm at the Winter Classic, and he said, It is cold out there. And I said, John, I got to ask you, why are you not in an 80 degree suite? And he goes, I didn't say I didn't have access to one. I just said, It's cold out there.
4: <laughs> Baby, it's cold outside. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Jeremy. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up as we roll on. We saw Sidney Crosby explode the other night when Miko Mikola got in his face. What other athletes historically have done that? We want you to weigh in. 6578 on the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll give you some of our ideas next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN.
0: Jordan you know when the games the lines,
4: he wants the ball when the games the lines, Sidney Crosby wants the puck Joe Vitale with us earlier here on 101 ESPN and we saw what happened with Sidney Crosby the other night when Nico Mikola got into his face and Crosby kind of took over the game and we want to talk about some of the athletes that you do that to and for whatever reason they feel slighted and they turn into monsters <laughs> it's 905 time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler Michelle it's happened with teams before. Back in 2001, when the Rams were at their best, a Dolphins defensive lineman by the name of Daryl Gardner said that the week before the game, I'll tell you what, when we get there to that dome, just take the key, lock the door, and see what happens. And every Rams player was provided with that quote from Daryl Gardner, and the Rams proceeded to crush the Dolphins 42-10. to 10. And you just, you you don't tug on Superman's cape. And that's something that with that Rams team that he did. Sergio Garcia has done that with Tiger Woods in the past. Garcia accusing Tiger of distracting him during a shot at the Players' Championship. The next tournament, which was a major, Tiger just crushes Sergio Garcia when they're playing together on Thursday. Just blew him out of the water.
1: Even locally, we've seen that Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. When Niger Morgan called him Alberta and poked the bear, what happened? Albert made him pay. Yadier Molina. We all know that you don't mess with Yadier Molina. Even even in a spring training game, there was an example of him getting a little trash talk. Someone trying to run on him, and then what did Yadier do? He made him pay and gave him the Matumbo finger wag. You know, you just don't mess with certain players. We have an entire docu series on why you don't want to make Michael Jordan <laughs> right, angry. Yeah, right. Sometimes you might not even want to compliment michael jordan because he'll make you pay kobe bryant another example of that obviously lebron we've seen him turn it on but i think that the list of athletes who actually can do that can take it to another level mm-hmm. because you've made them angry or incited them that to have that other gear inside of them is actually smaller than you think tom brady's on that list obviously Yeah,
4: yeah. tom brady has been challenged before and come down to the field and challenge guys, gotten taunting penalties because people said things about him. The Albert one is great because you wouldn't think a baseball player could do it. And there's a great story from 2006 about uh, Albert and Oliver Perez. And Albert said, and this is after a week after the game, the Cardinals had played the Pirates in Pittsburgh and then came back. And Albert said, he, Oliver Perez, struck me out last year and did all his dancing. And I remember that. That's what happened in Pittsburgh. I hit a ground ball back to him, and he did his little dance again, and I got real upset. I went to the video room and told my guy, Chad Blair, I'm going to hit the next ball, and I'm going to hit it a long way. But don't look at the ball. Look at where the bat is going to land. And he had a monstrous home run and then flung the bat about 18 feet and then took a real slow trip around the bases, at times glaring at Oliver Perez.
1: I wouldn't want to make Chris Carpenter angry. Oh, no. We're going to put him in that category.
4: No, and... That's kind of what happened in Philadelphia because and it, it was a slight because everybody was talking about Roy Halladay and how he was going to dominate the Cardinals and Carpenter tells his teammates, "Hey, just give me a couple of runs and we're going to win." And the Cardinals got him run in the first inning and lo and behold they won.
1: Is there a defensive player in the NFL like Aaron Donald, you know, is already a monster, but he seems like someone that when when taunted is just going to come after you that much further.
4: Yeah, he is a He's a monster. There's never been anybody like Lawrence Taylor, though, because teams would think that they had unlocked how to stop Lawrence Taylor, and he would literally, with one hand, throw a tackle out of the way, and with the other hand, sack the quarterback by his helmet. Ridiculous. He was just unbelievable. So we want your text 65780 for athletes that you just didn't want your team to offend. And... There's a couple of others Uh, Let's go to Andrew Marsh Andrew you got one? Yeah from the 618 we have Larry Bird Yeah Larry was unbelievable And he was a great trash talker too You didn't want to trash talk Larry Bird Because he would would bounce back and
2: get you
1: A lot of people are texting in Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is an all-time grudge holder. You say Mm -hmm. one thing that's even slightly negative about Aaron Rodgers, it's etched in his brain forever. I mean, look at this offseason. Sometimes I feel like he's got that little bit of Michael Jordan, I'm going to manufacture my own drama. I'm going to throw my own logs on this fire. It's almost like he creates the narrative sometimes that people are doubting him or that he's not getting enough respect, and that he goes out there and has an MVP season.
4: Yeah. Ray Lewis is another one. If you turned him on during a game, he was unstoppable. And that's what we're talking about. It says, like Sidney Crosby the other night, he became unstoppable once Nico Mikola got gotten his face. And there, there are people where you just let the sleeping dog lie. Don't wake that guy up. You know who else was like that was Isaac Bruce. Really? Isaac was a guy where if he would get talked about during the week, he'd be really quiet and talk about the respect that he had for the guy that would, would talk. And then he'd just go torch the opposition.
1: He's such a competitive guy. That fire Mm -hmm. definitely burns deep. But you would never know when you speak to him because he is so even keel and respectful and such a friendly person. But on the field, he's a different guy.
4: Yeah, he was so intense as a player.
1: What about this one from the 573? For 50 years, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the team that you should let sleep. Even the, even this year, the Titans learned that lesson. Sometimes there are organizations that just have that DNA.
4: Well, and don't you feel like Mike Tomlin's one of those guys? Yeah, no He's doubt. going to find every single edge. And if something negative is said about his team, his team's going to know about it and they're going to come out battling and especially with the rivalries that they have with the Bengals rivalries and the Ravens rivalry and and the Browns, everybody in that AFC North. If something is said tomlin is going to make his players aware of it
1: would you put belichick in that conversation He's has go- he's yeah. going to take whatever it is that you're good at and use it against you but he's a bulletin board type guy i mean anything that you have seen about bill belichick is that from practice one it's no one believes in us everyone thinks we're the worst doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you've done in the past you're nothing whether you're tom brady or a guy in the practice squad he's going to be the first one to say no one no one cares and no one believes in you. So again, yeah. maybe it's manufactured, but he still, he still does that.
4: Yeah, several texts about Bob Gibson. I wonder, I guess all you had to do to wake up Bob Gibson, if you wanted to offend him and get him to turn into the 251-game winner, <laughs> if you hit a home run against him, then it didn't matter if it was a major league game or if it was a fantasy camp game, he was going to throw at you and he was going to dominate you
1: and you were going to be intimidated. Someone, Randy, texted for you from the 573. Hi, Randy, here's an oldie for you. How about Conrad Dobler?
4: Yeah, Conrad was one of those guys, and he loved to instigate. But if a guy like Merlin Olson, and he's the classic classic example because Merlin Olson would never even mention his name. I interviewed Merlin Olson one time and asked him about Conrad Dobler, and he said, I don't mention his name. Because Conrad bit his finger. And he got so upset, Conrad would try to get in the opposition's head and try to get them thinking about him rather than getting to the quarterback. And one time Merlin Olson put his fingers through Conrad Dobler's face mask thinking that he was going to grab the face mask. Conrad bit his finger. (laughs) Yeah, so he, he got angry. Hey, we appreciate your Tech 65780. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls.
3: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Tonight at 7 and 10, tomorrow 7 and 10, and then Sunday at 7 p.m., Aries Spears is going to be at the Helium Comedy Club over at Galleria. And with Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Aries Spears joins us now on 101 ESPN. You've seen him a lot on television over the years and does great stand-up. If you can find it on his website, go to YouTube. Uh, great stuff. Good to have you with us in St. Louis. Thank How you, you doing, sir? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. And so Michelle and I both have watched a lot of the video. And you walked in, and you're wearing your traditional Yankees <laughs> right. cap. I love to see you with the Yankees cap. Yeah. Going. Uh, see, I, I'm a Joe Torre guy. So I became. I, I, I always liked the Yankees, but especially when they were winning under Joe Torre. Man, that
9: was great. Oh, they were dynasty, man. You know, we gotta say. You know, people like to give us crap sometimes. Uh, Yankees, Yankees. But you know, it's a dynasty, man. Can't be mad at that.
1: You know, we're in St. Louis. People give us a hard time about the Cardinals too. We have that in common. The Yankees and the
9: Cardinals. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, So so you know
1: what I'm talking about. So other than the Yankees, who are your teams? I know you're from New Jersey. Uh,
9: uh, No, I'm actually from New York. Uh, I'm not. This is blasphemous to say. uh, I'm not really a football guy. Uh, You know.
1: Well, this year you might not want to be if you're from New York.
5: (laughs) Or do you? (laughs) You know. Listen, I don't follow. The
9: only. The only. I'm a basketball guy and a boxing guy, Uh, but even with basketball, I mean, I was such a Jordan fanatic that uh, once he retired, I kind of had no place to go, (laughs) so I don't really have a team, per se, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I still enjoy the sport.
4: Aries, you do so many great impressions. How did that start? When you were a kid, is, were you doing impressions? Yeah, yeah. Um,
9: you know, uh, coming up as a, as a latchkey kid, you know, TV kind of raised me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, was, I was stuck in front of that tube for the majority of my time and just being able to pick up on, you know, voices and my mother's a singer. So I think some of that is a little hereditary. You know, I caught it from her and, you know, just being able to catch tone and inflection and stuff like that.
1: So when you decide, okay, it's Jay-Z, I'm going to impersonate mm-hmm. Jay-Z, how long does it take you to get an impersonation down? Um,
9: you know, it's either, it, it's it's, it's kind of quickly, because uh, either you have it or you don't. Um, I was telling these other guys over here, you know, uh, it's like when you hear something, you know, Shaq is very breathy and bassy and... You know, twenty eight ten. If I dominate, those are my numbers. Twenty eight ten. So you know, it's like hearing a note. You know, Hove Jay Z is the register. You know, so it's it's just hearing that register and then <laughs> honing in on it. Uh, I'm a I'm a big uh, Sopranos fan. So you know, of course, you know James Gandolfini with the Sopranos. You know, Janish and Uncle Junior Johnny Shack. You know, so it's kind of the, you gotta get the hush. You know, Christ. <laughs> you know, so if you if you hear those notes and you get them.
1: I just they thought just I kinda... saw you in a bathrobe. Oh, my God. You just, <laughs> just morphed into Tony Soprano. I was I my
9: the other day to catch a driver with crazy. I'm <laughs> AJ. So, yeah.
1: Has there ever been an impersonation that you wanted to do, but you just couldn't get it right?
9: Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I kind of felt obligated uh, when Obama was in office. You know, this is the first black president. So I kind of felt it was like my civic duty to, to to do him, but I could never get it. Uh, his voice is... K- I know his cadence. Uh, you know, my daughter Sasha Miller, uh, you know, I tell Michelle all the time.
4: So I, I know the cadence, but I don't—I never felt I could lock in on a voice right. Aries Spears at Helium tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. When you were growing up or when you were getting into the industry, and you got into it really early. Yeah, yeah 14. Did you have an inspiration? Was there somebody you said, that's what I want to be like? Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Uh, you know, I, I was born in
9: 75, so I'm an 80s baby. And, of course, when he had his run on SNL, I just thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen and then my father took me to go see 48 Hours and Trade in trading Places, and that was it. He, uh, His stuff still holds up today, too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's one of the greats. You know, uh, when you think of the Mount Rushmore, Pryor, you know, Murphy's definitely on it. And then, you know, you could Carlin and uh, maybe Cosby. You could put a bunch of people in those other two spots. But him and Pryor are definitely the, uh, the ones and two. Do you do Eddie? I used to. Uh, I don't do Eddie as much anymore. Uh, You know, when I was doing Eddie, I was really young, and my voice and my register was a little bit different. Uh, So I don't do Eddie like I used to, but uh, (laughs) he started it all, man.
1: So you've obviously had an incredibly successful career. You've been doing this, as you said, since you were 14. There's a lot of different things that people know you for. What's Mm -hmm. the number one thing that people ask you to do?
9: Uh, Probably it shows the impressions. You know, they, they scream out, hey, do... So-and-so or so-and-so, so -so, so, uh, that's probably it. But my whole thing was I I just never wanted to be a one-trick pony, Mm -hmm. you know, and I thought that's what made Eddie Murphy so brilliant. Yes, he could do impressions, but he was also an incredible stand-up. It wasn't just impressions. So I've always kind of wanted to be well-rounded in that way and make sure that I can show the audience, you know, hey, here's some impressions, here's some improvisational skills, this and this and this, so mix it up.
1: Well, I know that in addition to your stand-up and, and all of the other stuff that you've done in different yeah. media aspects, you have a podcast now. Yes, I was looking yes. at it on Instagram last night. I listened to some of it. What's right. that been like for you to do comedy but in a different medium, more of an open-ended medium that you can actually edit if you want?
9: Um, It's been great because, you know, we we live in a time now where everything is so— Sensitive and politically correct, and you gotta watch what you say and what you do, and uh, to be able to just express yourself the way you want to, as honestly as you want to, and not have anybody tell you what you can and can't do, uh, I, I welcome it, you know, because that's that's my style of comedy. You know, I don't like holding back. I don't like having to, you know, curb my, the way I think or the what I say. I, I just like to be me, and
4: and uh, it, it gives us the opportunity to do that. Somebody said a long time ago that the essence of great comedy is that it's uncomfortable. Absolutely. And I, I, I couldn't agree with that thought process more. We can't, a lot of the things that we could do six years ago on this right. radio show, we can't do now. Yeah. Do you still do the stuff that you did six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago on stage?
9: Uh, absolutely. And you, that's <laughs> the great thing about it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, there's, there's a phrase that I like to, how I like to coin, what it is that I do, but, you know, I, this is the SPN, so I don't want to get you guys in trouble. Yeah, don't. Uh, but, I, you know, let me put it in sports terms. Uh, I, you know, I'm like steroids, man. I, I'm illegal, but, you know, I'm gonna make it better. Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I imagine you've obviously had the track record where people already know who you are, so it's, it's probably difficult to try to shape things yeah. uh, or censor yourself a little bit in today's world, but that has to be difficult for a young comedian coming up who doesn't have the history and is coming into this world where they might say something and offend people and people could tune them out quickly.
9: Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad I came up at the time I came up. I I, I think comedy has taken such a brutal beating uh, recently. And, and, you know, not to say you can't find your way because I think at the end of the day, the good ones do. But this this era now is just, I, I feel bad for kids trying to get into stand up now because they're not coming in it in a way where you could just truly be yourself. Uh, and there's so many people coming at you doing exactly that. You can't say this, can't say that. And it's like you're hindering a young spirit before it gets a chance to do what it's supposed to do. Um, you know, I came up in that era where when kids messed up, you got beatings, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got your butt whooped, you know, and, yeah. and now you can't even scream at your kid without getting in trouble. And those beatings matter. You know, those, you know, scraping your knees matter. You know, playing outside matters. And everything is on your phone, and everything is so be careful. Kids don't play in the woods no more. I I was a kid, I used to go in the woods, man. You know, and it just, I think that strengthens who you are uh, comedically, as well as in in terms of being a person. Just makes you stronger, man. The 80s was
4: precious, you know. So you grew up an 80s kid. And you mentioned Richard Pryor. Have you seen Blazing Saddles? Of course. So we were talking about it last week. You yeah. obviously couldn't release Blazing Saddles in 2022. And it should be released in 2022. It's genius. Yes,
9: absolutely. Mel Brooks, uh, Gene Wilder, that kind of comedy. I don't know if you know this, but original, originally the guy that plays the black sheriff in that mm-hmm. was supposed to be Richard Pryor. Yeah, and yes. he was—he was one of the writers. Yes, he was one of the writers. But that role was supposed to go to Richard. Then <laughs> I think it went to Cleavon Little, obviously. Uh, but that would have been a whole different movie with Prior in it. Why do you think it could and should be released now? Um, just because it, I think it's needed. You know, I I really do believe that at some point soon we're gonna go back to some of that because I I I think that this is. Frustrating to people Uh, this is America man, you know, we don't like to be told what to do what not to do What we can and can't enjoy and I think it's gonna be a a hell of a backlash
4: And doesn't it seem to you and you're in the business seems to me that there is a subset of the culture that doesn't want to laugh
9: yeah, and oddly enough, they're the ones that come to the shows. Really, really, which, which ultimately makes no sense. I, I I don't understand how you go
4: to a comedy club
9: and don't want to laugh, you know, or you want to go there to be offended and and complain, yeah. you know. It just it just doesn't make sense. It's like going to a strip club and going, look at all these breasts. There's too many breasts in here.
1: You know what you're walking into. Yeah. But there is the people that go to the concerts and they don't want to stand up and sing. They just want to sit there quietly. The entire or you know, time. I don't
9: even mind that. But don't you know, be in the moment. Put your phone away. You know, you mm-hmm. want to record the whole show. Be in the moment. You're at a concert. You're at your favorite artist's performance. And this person, if you're at a Stones concert, it's the Stones. These are legends. Be in the moment.
4: There you go. You know Great it's call. ridiculous.
1: Okay, so we're on a sports station. You're the king of impersonations. Is there a sports figure that you love to impersonate? Um you
9: know, uh Shaq's probably the most I get uh asked to do. Uh probably the easiest. Um yeah, Shaq's always just, you know. I tell Barkley all the time, I say, you got to dominate the paint. Joe M.B.'s a big man. You got to under the posting. You shouldn't jump us. You got you to dominate. Turn back to the basket, inside outside game. That's all you do.
4: So, and, yeah. and by the way, go to Sierra Spears because you were doing the facial expression, <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah, yeah. The entire yeah, into yeah, yeah. Shaq. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got to ask you about this because I have been on stage with a couple of the St. Lunatics. Murphy Lee and I, were uh, we were partners one time.
1: They've performed together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh,
4: I, I'm not, well, I think I'm a great rapper, but people tell me I'm not. <laughs> but you do a great job of rapping. That's not as easy as people make it out to be. And no, you do a fantastic uh, job. I don't,
9: I don't know how good I am, but it's it's uh, it's it's an art form. Uh, one to be taken seriously. And it's not until you try and do it yeah. and realize that you realize how hard it is. So I respect the craft a million percent.
4: Hey, w- we respect what you do and we we urge people to head on over to Helium Comedy Club. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, and one on Sunday night as well. Aries Spears, great to meet you. Thanks for stopping
9: by. Thank you. And I believe you're a better rapper than you give yourself credit for. You're a white man. You can do anything.
4: <laughs> yeah. Me, me and Vanilla Ice. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> there you go. Aries Spears. And uh, you can get uh, the tickets at the Helium Comedy Club. Just Google Helium Comedy Club at the gallery and you can go see him tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. You're killing me, Smalls, next on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
3: Right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing smalls right now?
1: You're killing me, smalls.
3: You're killing me, smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN.
4: Andrew mentioned the podcast that'll be up after the show, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers and. If you didn't get a chance to hear Joe Vitale's story this morning, then you have to go back to the podcast and hear his story about Sidney Crosby because it, because it's epic.
1: It might have been my peak of the week on this show, and we've <laughs> had some good peaks. We talked to Jordan Cairo. We got to visit with David Perron. Aries Spears was just incredible giving impersonations. But listening to Joe Vitale, and that was a story I'd heard before, by the mm-hmm. way, but the way that he tells that story in detail about Sidney Crosby and their superstitions, you got to hear it.
4: It's great. Time now for...
1: You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, yesterday, the Utah Jazz placed Rudy Gobert in the NBA's COVID-19 health and safety protocols. That might sound familiar to you because remember it was Rudy Gobert who was at the center of sports shutting down back in 2020 in March 2020 after he had that initial COVID-19 outbreak in the NBA. Doesn't that seem like so long ago?
4: It really does. And I remember so vividly I was watching NBA that night, and we had just come back, my son and I, from Arizona on the 10th. We were at spring training, and this happened on the 12th. Gobert tested positive, and remember he had touched all the microphones, yes. and he wasn't worried about it, and then he test positive, and Everything shut down within 24 hours.
1: I remember being in this office that's right next to our studio here talking to Mike Ryder. And I was like, it doesn't seem like this is going to be that big of a deal, no. right? Like, I don't think anything's going to shut down. And as we're having a conversation, all the news starts to come down about all of the league shutting down. And that was just such a weird time. But yeah, to see Rudy Gobert back, back in COVID it. 19 protocols, I'm like, that sounds familiar.
4: Does the world shut down again
1: with I, Rudy? I don't think so. I think we've had enough of that. I
4: don't think people will allow it.
1: No. I think, I mean, we were all sent home. I don't think they're sending us home now.
4: I do not believe so. (laughs)
1: you killing me, Small. Well, yesterday, Randy, you and I got a little excited because speaking of COVID-19, the restrictions are heating up in LA because of unfortunately a spike in cases. But the reason that we say we were excited is because we thought the Super Bowl might get moved to Jerry's World in Texas, ATT. Well, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Los Angeles County has come out and said that they don't expect to restrict restrict attendance at sporting events, even with the infection rates rising from COVID 19. In the Los Angeles area Here's the quote We are working closely with the NFL to welcome the Super Bowl to LA County This is from the LA County Department of Health and Public Health And while we cannot provide certainty for the future We do not anticipate capacity limits at sporting events So the Super Bowl still expected to happen at SoFi Stadium And expected to be held at full capacity
4: Okay And Kroenke doesn't care about what happens to people that go there So I'm sure that it'll be full capacity and Stan will get to have his Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium.
1: So lame. I thought there was a chance. And and do you think Jerry's upset? You know, behind the scenes, Jerry was making calls. No doubt. He's having all the people, you know, bring the concessions up. We're about to have a Super Bowl here in Arlington. He was excited.
4: That Super Bowl that we were at down in Dallas was the one where they sold more tickets than they had seats. And I'm sure that Jerry would love to do that again
1: yeah that was quite the adventure there was ice falling off the stadium there was freezing cold temps tmz's hiding out in bushes i mean that was a wild trip
4: yeah and you were part of the whole tmz escapade
1: i was not on camera though so maybe i wasn't
4: no i think
1: i was i was yeah no but that was one of the all-time moments i remember us being at a group dinner and all of our phones started going off and we're like what's (laughs) happening Demarco's on tmz
4: And DeMarco, the first thing he said was, my mom's going to see this. Was great.
1: <laughs> that was great. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, we've all expected Matt Nagy to lose his job at the end of this season. And according to Boomer Esiason, Matt Nagy has already been informed that he won't return as the Bears head coach next season. So that means that this weekend's game versus Minnesota, it's gonna be his last on the Chicago sidelines, which we all kind of assumed, but it's it seems a little ridiculous that they would tell him in anticipation of the game. If you're gonna wait this long, just wait till after the game. You're yeah, right. You know? Yeah. If that's part of the Chicago Bears way of doing things is to not fire a coach during the season why are you gonna tell him before the final game yeah right he knows it's coming now just wait till Monday like everybody else
4: I'm really intrigued to see what happens where they go from here because you do have a highly skilled young quarterback you need to rebuild your offensive line we've heard Jim Harbaugh's name linked with Chicago although we've also heard that Harbaugh would prefer to go back west mm-hmm. his wife and he have spent a lot of time out west if he leaves Michigan he's been tied to the Raider job you have Matt Nagy who was the offensive coordinator for Andy Reid so if you're the Chiefs do you hire Eric Bieniemy, who is the offensive coordinator for Eric Reed, or do you feel like okay been there done that don't know mm-hmm. do you go get a An established head coach. I'm really interested to see what Ryan Pace and the Bears do for their next head coach. to try to get the most out of Justin Fields.
1: Do you think Ryan Pace will still be involved in that conversation? Probably not,
4: because I think he's a bigger issue than Nagy is. A bigger negative issue for the Bears than Matt Nagy is.
1: If you're the Bears, don't you just want to start? fresh if you're bringing in a doug peterson or someone don't you want them to have the opportunity to make that decision on who the gm is make sure that everybody's on the same page yeah there's alignment within the organization
4: yeah I, i would think logically that that would be the case by the way the left tackle that the bears cut before this season charles leno just signed a new 3 year or $37 million contract with the Washington football team because he's played so well for them.
1: That doesn't feel like a Matt Nagy problem.
4: No, it doesn't. Not at all.
1: You're killing me, Small. Did you see the video of Jalen Hurts leaving FedEx Field, and he's giving high fives to fans in the stadium, and all of a sudden, an entire railing collapses, and a bunch of fans fall out of the stands. Jalen Hurts helped them up. Thankfully, everyone was okay. He's given, <laughs> and they <don't> wanted selfies. <laughs> they're, they wanted selfies. They're giving hugs. He's hugging everybody. But what could have been a really, really tragic situation ended up being okay. But not only in that moment did you see a little bit of who Jalen Hurts is as a person helping people up I, I mean he did dodge initially but just because he did, he was had his head down he didn't really? really even see what was happening but he actually sent a letter to the Washington football team and to the NFL after that incident asking what follow-up action is being considered after that railing at FedEx collapse and I'm not going to read the entire thing but it's very well written and he says that he just wants to ensure the safety through playing and the safety of the fans
4: and I would hope that there is a plan on the part of the Washington football team to fix their stadium, which, by the way, opened two years after the Dome. And apparently they have raw sewage that mm-hmm. is coming down on fans, which is very attractive. Obviously, they have that issue. Merrill Reese, the play-by-play man for the Eagles, wouldn't travel to Washington because he said that stadium is a dump. That stadium is worse than the Dome. They would be, Washington would be better off playing in the dome than they would be playing at FedEx Field, which was built on the cheap. It was like an erector set. It was bad from day one.
1: They could come play here. We could host them for a little bit. Taylor Heineke is familiar with the facilities. Go admirals (laughs) or commanders. What's it going to be? I don't know. We'll have to It was admiral's, it was, we'll it was admirals the
4: other out. day. But you're right. That could have been a really dangerous situation. And how is there not more security there to keep people back from those rails or keep them from leaning against those rails?
1: I don't know. Would you have security guards then against the rails? But, you know, not to bring up a tragic situation, but at World, it feels like you can't really stop that if there's a mob of people Mm -hmm. and they're pressing 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 even if there were security guards in place in front of the railings if the mob is coming that's gonna that structure is not gonna hold
4: yeah now that building is 25 years old and i have to believe that this has been happening for 25 years maybe it's the structure itself maybe they just need to find a better way than just having metal rails up against the side of the the steel bleachers. At the
1: end of Jalen Hurts' letter to the Washington football team in the NFL, he ends it with, I look forward to hearing from you on this matter. You think they're going to get back to him?
2: No <laughs> chance.
1: You think they're going to write him a follow-up letter on all the steps yeah. they're taking to ensure the safety of fans at FedEx Field?
4: Yeah, well Dan Snyder apparently isn't in charge anymore. They don't have a president. I don't well, no, Jason Wright is our president. Maybe he'll he seems like a responsible guy. Maybe Jason Wright will write him a letter.
1: They should. It seems like an easy PR yeah. win for them to write a letter back to Jalen Hurts on outlining everything they're going to do to make it a safer environment
4: yeah here's our plan and by the way the well one of the only reasons there were multiple reasons number one league pressure but one of the reasons that dan snyder decided to drop the redskins name is because the mayor of dc said that he couldn't get a new stadium built there unless he changed the team name and that was one of the real motivations for dan snyder to change the name of the franchise so it seems to me like they would be on track to perhaps getting a new stadium at some point. We'll see. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up next, speaking of football, good plan, poor execution on the part of Clinton Portis. That's next on 101 ESPN. It's If you
0: need a tip, I'll give you a tip. So what the the
3: problem? It's Do you need a tip? I'll give you a tip. To the character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. One, two, three, four.
4: You can always check us out on the interwebs via your phone. Michelle is on the Insta and on Twitter at msmallman. Ms. I am on the Insta at RJ Carricker and on Twitter at Randy Carricker, and we'd love to have you follow us, and we'll try to provide you great content throughout the course of the weekend when we aren't able to talk to you every morning.
1: What kind of content are you going to throw up this weekend?
4: Dog. I'll throw up dog content. (laughs) I was telling our uh, our grand poobah, Tommy Mattern, that this is a weekend where you literally just sit in the man cave or the woman, the she shed, uh, for the weekend because you've got Mm-hmm. The Blues tonight, you've got the NFL doubleheader tomorrow. And then on Sunday, you've got the Blues and the NFL. So why leave home? It's going to be cold out.
1: Yeah, there's no reason to leave. No. Just so, go to the grocery store on your way home from work so that mm-hmm. you've got everything you need. You don't have to leave snacks, for two get, days. Some,
4: get some carrots and some celery. Wine. Uh, there you go what's
1: you're doing dry January,
4: yeah Michelle former Broncos and Washington running back Clinton, Portis, and two other former NFL players pled guilty this week to their roles in a nationwide healthcare care benefit fraud scheme to submit false claims for payouts totaling about three million dollars. Portis, Tameric Vanover, formerly of the Chiefs, and Robert McCune of the Falcons, all pled guilty, and here 's what they did. there is this uh, gene upshaw health reimbursement fund that the league has for players that utilize equipment that isn't covered by insurance. It was established as part of the 2006 Collective Bargaining Agreement. And according to indictments, the former players submitted phony claims for expensive equipment, including hyperbaric oxygen chambers, ultrasound machines designed for a doctor's office to conduct women's health exams, and electromagnetic therapy devices for horses. So they, they would send in these invoices for this equipment, about forty to $50,000 each, And they would get paid, even though they never got the equipment. The problem was, Mm -hmm. these three players added about 12 other players to the group, and it Mm -hmm. became a big thing. And all of a sudden, Cigna uh, flagged anomalies in the types of claims being filed because there were so many. If it would have just been these three, they might have been able to pull it off. But then they start getting a lot of different invoices for hyperbaric uh, chambers, and Cigna says, something's weird here really good plan a, a really nice idea for a crime on the part of McCune Vanover and Clinton Portis just very poor execution
1: you don't you don't widen the circle no you
4: can't if you're going to be a criminal you got to keep it tight you got to right. keep it quiet and so Clinton Portis who made about 43 million dollars during his career was a really good running back and really funny guy and apparently a, a smart well clearly smart guy came up with this plan well was one of the people that came up with this plan but not a really strong criminal.
1: He made how much? $43 million? Yeah,
4: $43 million during his career.
1: What What would compel you if you made $43 million to try and defraud insurance for a couple hundred grand? I mean, that's no small amount of money, but if you've made $43 million, you have made 43000000 you do not think that you'd have the motivation to go out and get a ring of former NFL players to commit these crimes.
4: Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, you're trying to get to $44 million. And the other thing is, <laughs> is... You're a retired football player, so you're retired at the age of 33, 34. You're bored? You've got to think of something to do.
1: I guess. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I would rather travel, play golf. I mean, there's a lot of other things you could do.
4: So here you've got a former NFL running back who earned $43.1 million in his career who's going to spend the next six months in prison.
1: Doesn't sound like a good time to me. No.
4: No. Uh, kids, stay away from a life of crime. Because ultimately, it just doesn't pay. Now, he's going to be sentenced officially or was sentenced officially uh, yesterday to to the six months. Vanover and McCune also sentenced. And I would think that there's got to be a better oversight of this health fund that the NFL and the NFLPA have agreed to. Because somebody initially has to say, wait, 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 why are... NFL players and former NFL players ordering ultrasound machines designed for a doctor's office to conduct women's health exams. Why is Clinton Portis ordering one of those and then getting paid to have one of those? He's not Dr. Portis.
1: I would imagine that some changes will be made after this case.
4: Yeah. I wonder if there are any, like, brilliant criminal former NFL players. Greg Robinson left something to be desired, did he not? Driving across Texas with, like... 38 pounds of the ganja. Uh, And and I don't know if he's still in jail or not. Same thing with... uh, What,
1: what, What strain was it, Randy? Do you know?
4: Uh, I think it was I, the Acapulco Black, oh, okay. but I'm, I'm not sure. And I, I think he was just an entrepreneur. He was a businessman. He, he was not a guy that was puffing the magic dragon on a regular <laughs> basis. He was just being an entrepreneurial sort. And so I guess sometimes he would uh, partake of the Mary Jane, but not on a regular basis. He was trying to do it to make money. Yeah, he was and, trying
1: to sell the yeah. devil's lettuce.
4: He was. There was also the guy in Chicago, Sam Hurd, another former cowboy who uh was not only trying to be he, he was not only selling uh, the the uh, the Jamaican red, but <laughs> he also wanted to become the biggest drug kingpin in Chicago. So you're gonna you're gonna tick some people off, aren't you? If you're trying to become the biggest drug kingpin in Chicago, either the biggest drug kingpin in Chicago is gonna have you off or, they're going to anonymously tell the authorities about you
1: yeah do they, have these people not watched the sopranos exactly heavy is the head that wears the crown as soon as you become the boss everybody's coming for you within your own crew and outside everybody wants your spot that's why i'm happy to just chill in the background i know that a lot of people are intoxicated by the power I don't want that. I don't want to be eating dinner with my family and be concerned that a a fellow diner might be trying to shoot me. I don't want to be stressed out if my daughter's parallel parking and I'm listening to Journey. What's going on? (laughs) Is she going to get whacked as she's trying to parallel park? These are not stressors I want to invite into my life.
4: No, you don't want to, anybody that's wearing a member's jacket and walking into the diner. Yeah. Member's only jacket. You don't want that person walking into the diner while you're trying just to have a little snack.
1: I just want to make my collections. I want to eat a sub with the crew, have some laughs, be a part of the gang, I or the or the crew, I should say, not yeah. the gang. We're yeah. not we're not we're not advocating gangs here, well, just to be clear. But you know, I just want to be involved. I don't want to be well, at the top.
4: And at the end of the day, do you really want to run into the the lethal end of a gun over Dinky Dow. I mean, is, is just sell some chillums here or there, but you don't need to be the biggest drug kingpin. I mean, go to the local college. Hey, you want some yondo spruce? We've got some for you. Here. The there you go. Live
1: by the sea. You know what? This is not how and I anticipated us ending the the our... Uh, <laughs> first week in 2022 yeah. but it uh so, it's been entertaining yeah. i'll say that so i'll say that
4: just get a van and don't not, not 37 pounds not 53 pounds maybe a few bags of the broccolo <laughs> and help out some people that want to take advantage of the canadian black but don't do it
1: i don't think i think it's legal randy in the state of illinois i don't think you need well, there to do that's that. true
4: yeah <laughs> So it, you can just
1: let's not encourage people to be go. buying vans and smuggling the ganj.
4: Well, I'm I'm just talking about the guys who are illegally doing it. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that Greg Robinson didn't have a license for that to be carrying what 38, 40, 45 pounds of chibo in his van. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey, we've got uh, the balloon party with Tim McKernan coming up here at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. Looking forward to that as we do every day. Great job today by and this week by our producer-engineer, the one and only Andrew Marsh. Andrew, uh, go home and vacuum your carpet. Oh, yeah. I definitely need to do Still that. a little glass shards in the carpet. You know what? It is what it is. It's probably everywhere. It literally yeah. flew across the room. Unbelievable. Michelle, for the last time, at least in 2022, Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you, too, Randy. And I will see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend of hibernation.
4: It's going to be great. And we wish Happy New Year to you. Remember, after the 7th, you can't say Happy New Year anymore. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. And until Monday morning at 7, have a great weekend, St. Louis.
3: You've been listening to the character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
2: Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from LECVIO. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack, and with LecVio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription LecVIO in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects are injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at LecVio.com. Or call 1 833 537 8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L E Q B I O. Lower, longer Lecvio.
7: Grab a 30 day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle.
1: Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.